0: To those who can hear me, I say, do not despair. The misery that is now upon us is but the passing of greed, the bitterness of men who fear the way of human progress.
1: Things are really changing. There are good people here. People across North Carolina are proud of the fact that the Democratic Party chose to have a convention here.
2: Don't lose hope no matter what they say, because things are starting to happen.
3: But one thing about South Carolina you can always count on, we're always going to surprise you.
1: In fact, I've always been proud to be a Democrat.
4: We need to recognize that we have an opportunity here in Georgia to take back this state and make it blue again. I think Texas is not only going to turn blue, it's just a question of when.
1: Now that will tell you that we have progressed. Join us as we explore the
5: Southern Progressive Revival.
2: All right, it's 7 o'clock on the East Coast, and you know what that means. It's time for another episode of Southern Progressive Revival. If you're listening for the very first time, live or via our podcast, welcome. And if you're returning, then welcome back. Uh, Tonight, on this 10th of January, 2016, we have a very exciting show to bring you, including our very first Southern Hospitality guest of the year, the host of the Redneck Liberal, Mr. Joe Lee, a real-life Texan who we look forward to talking to and bringing that conversation to you here just in a little bit in our third hour. Uh, We also have a whole slew of stories, and I have to tell you, one of these stories may very well prove to be our most controversial yet. (laughs) <laughs> so, <laughs> I had to get that from Adam before the show. So, anyway. so without, without any further ado, I'd like to welcome to the program our phenomenal Ms. Producer, the lovely, the talented, and the feisty, Ms. Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Welcome, Janet.
1: Well, hello, y'all. <laughs>
2: Welcome. Are you excited about the drama to come?
1: Oh, absolutely. Great. And I want to put a shout out to those that are already in chat. Howdy.
2: Yes, indeed. Hello, everybody out there in Chatland.
1: And you three anons or whatever, get in here.
2: That's right. Get in here, you babies. I'll I'll allow John to scold you momentarily, (laughs) but... (laughs) We're going to move on next to the man who was so cool he wouldn't melt in a desert, Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee, bringing the triumphant return of voices of our black past, present, and future. Welcome, Joey.
6: Well, hello, everyone, and I'm going to tell you one thing, Jonathan. I'm so cool I
2: could sell rubbers to a monk, man. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. And the penis jokes begin within two minutes of starting the show. Good job.
6: <laughs> <laughs> hello, everyone. Hello, everyone listening and everyone. Hey, everybody in the chat room. And hello to the three J's with me along with the other J, me,
1: Woo-hoo. Joey.
2: Yes. We we finally have a cast we of are, individuals. We are. the four J's now. We are the four J's We to now.
1: start a rock group. We should. I, I believe <laughs> no, that
2: would be a great idea. Yeah. With lots it's of screaming soon. since that sort of music appeals to you, Janet.
1: No, I like Paul's memory bank type music, you know I understand Gotta go back a few years
2: I'll have to tease you a little bit or it's no fun Alright, so I have a very, very, very special announcement For each and every one of you listening tonight Uh, This is something that we have been kicking back and forth for a while Uh, It all came to fruition a couple of days ago So I would like to welcome back John Kendall to the program for his third appearance, but tonight is a little bit different. The last two times he was here, he became a guest co-host and filled in when we needed him and added his voice, but we are bringing him on board as a permanent contributor. So everybody, please stand and welcome, live from Missoula, Montana, our new permanent junior co-host, Mr. John Kendall. Welcome, sir.
7: Woo! Thank you, thank you. And Janet, you're not a fan of Dio, Black Sabbath, Iron Maiden, Metallica? Come on.
1: I like <laughs> Motown. <laughs> I can't I'm, help it. I'm that. a fan of
6: those bands myself, John.
1: I I, I, I awesome, love so Thursday awesome. nights because I get to listen to Paul's Memory Bank and we do Motown. Yeah. And stuff. Other music, not just Motown.
6: But. And, you know, I grew up on Motown, you know. Yeah.
2: Motown. She like she likes the the quieter music, as it were. But that's okay because you know we we've got three here. We are in the clear majority of enjoying rock and roll. So, <laughs> but 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 John since
0: <laughs>
2: exactly, but John since you are now our junior co-host, it is your responsibility to scold all of our anons out there in chatland. Just thought I'd let you know.
7: Alright, uh Anons. Come on. You know, we gotta have a conversation. You guys are Anon, we get it. You know, maybe you're not too sold on us, but you should be. Because with Jonathan, Janet and Joey, this is now the greatest show besides my check radio and <laughs> Turn up the night on the <laughs> weekly. So uh click the join button and Join in on the conversation And if you're a member That has forgotten your password It happens So I hold sympathy for you guys
2: Yes indeed And John I have to say that was very well delivered I, I applaud you again <laughs> Yay! Go John
7: so... See I got people I got this
2: You do, <laughs> you totally do You have definitely classed up this joint John <laughs> so...
7: Nobody right. likes a joint that's not
2: classy. Yes, no. This is quite true. All right, so we will go ahead and get on with the show. And uh, while we do not have a jingle this week for Southern Hospitality, we are wagging our tails over all the good news we have to bring you. So let's go ahead and start off with the gentlefolk and situations with a little audio that will make you howl or meowl with delight. Good evening. Today, Tennessee
8: became the first state to release an animal abuse registry.
1: It includes the names of people convicted of intentionally abusing animals. Anyone can see the registry, pictures, and where offenders live. New tonight, Talia Kaplan shows us how this takes protecting animals to a new level.
5: Be good, Vader. Karina Thompson is spending this New Year's Day at the Centennial Dog Park. Vader. She rescued her dog, Vader, six months ago from a shelter in Nashville. Where we adopted Vader, there really was no more than just an application. But now, thanks to this new animal abuse registry, that will likely change. It's
9: going to be a database, another useful tool that um, agencies such as ourselves um, can do a little bit more research on um individuals that we encounter, whether it be in the field or um, individuals who come to adopt animals.
5: Lauren Bluestone, the director of Metro Animal Care and Control, says people on the registry won't be eligible to adopt from the shelter. State Representative Darren Jernigan says his neighbor asked him to introduce the legislation three years ago after this man was arrested and later convicted of beating a puppy to death with a tire iron. The legislation was passed back in May. Only one lawmaker in the General Assembly voted against it. First-time offenders will spend two years on the registry. A second offense makes it five. Bluestone is focusing on the positive, but since it's the first of its kind, time will tell how much it could help.
9: This is very, very, very new. There's a lot of cities who who have um, these types of lists, but certainly nothing on a statewide level.
5: Now, Thompson's friends visiting Nashville from Illinois are hoping the registry comes to their state too. But We are really excited that animals are going to be protected more. I think it's a great start. Talia Kaplan, News 2 at 10. Representative
1: Jernigan says he's spoken with legislators from about 10 other states who plan on introducing similar bills this year.
2: All right. So, uh, first of all, I think I said meow before I started that clip. I apologize. I don't believe cats meow. They meow. But anyway. Um, So here in the South, a lot of times we get blamed for being behind the times, and we really aren't very much of a progressive place. But I would just like to say that Tennessee, being the very first state to release an animal abuse registry Is one hell of an accomplishment And it really Like the audio clip said Is going to be Something that other states are now Introducing, but we did it first We southerners can claim that we finally Passed something ahead of the rest of the country Woohoo And <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, in my, in my state at that we I know, I was going to ask awesome. how you felt I'm, about I'm a that love
6: of myself. I'm a dog and cat lover Myself, you know yeah, I, I, I think it's great, man. I think it's great.
2: Yes, it's a beautiful thing, It'll and probably
6: save some more. You know, save some little lives, man. You know, it's law. It will save a lot of little lives.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And I actually know a lady who lives in uh, Johnson City, Tennessee, who does animal rescue, and I know that she has a very difficult time. A lot of times finding people to adopt the animals that she fosters, and she has a it's, it's just really difficult to find people that are interested. And then when you find people, uh, a lot of times the animals will get returned or they're just not fit homes when she goes to inspect them. So having something mm-hmm. like this, I imagine, will make her life a whole lot easier. And I'm oh, really yeah. glad to see it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So, John, well, I don't know whether you're an animal lover or not, but I'd love to get your input on this.
7: Am I an animal, animal lover? Of course I am. Yeah. I've yeah. got... Back home in Drummond, I've got two cats, and, um, you know, I've grown up with several dogs. Um, but, you know, it's I'm glad to see finally. I think, honestly, you know, in my opinion, the penalties are a little too low. Mm-hmm. Because, you know, any animal that I've been associated with has been family. So, you know... I wouldn't go as extreme as, like, death penalty, Mm -hmm. because that's silly. But maybe, you know, 10 years? You know, um, there's... uh, In Montana recently, um, there's been news articles put out about um, people buying animals to use for training and dog fighting. And it just, it tears me up inside, because, you know, like I said, Mm -hmm. growing up with, you know the animals that I have I I wouldn't you know, it would be too heartbreaking to know that somebody out there is scum and Yeah does it.
2: It's incredibly heartbreaking, you know, Janet yeah, I like those those dog fighting rings. I hate dog fighting man. hmm. I hate that shit. I do. Yeah. I mean, they get you can get some time for that, though. You know. Oh yeah, which which is good. Although I have to say that I agree with John, and that there should be a lot stricter punishments for those crimes. Um, Mm -hmm. But you know, Janet, animals have no voice, and it's up to us to speak for them. And
1: you know, I agree, and also too, I was in um, the field of special education uh, for a long time, Mm -hmm. and. One of the things that I learned through the years and learned in school, getting my bachelor's and master's and whatever, is that if you're abusive to animals, chances are you're abusive to humans. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a red flag, number one. Number two, I love animals outside. I don't have any inside pets because the first time one of them little darlings pooped on my floor, Mm -hmm. there'd be issues. And I know me because I couldn't handle that. But... I can't handle the neighbors with dogs that are running around and know they don't feed them. Mm-hmm. I've got two or three dogs that are outside that need to be taken to the vet. They need, uh, I want to give them an aspirin because I know the one dog has arthritis. You know, it just, it hurts just to see it. And I don't have pets. Mm-hmm. <sighs> you it know? Is.
2: Yeah. I mean, and what you're talking about is its own form of animal abuse.
1: It is. And I think the people that are abusive to animals need to be on the uh, prohibited from using firearms, personally.
2: Absolutely.
6: Yeah, and a lot of serial killers started out killing small animals before they started killing people.
2: Yeah, that's actually one of the hallmarks of sociopathy. Mm -hmm. Yes,
1: Mm definitely. Definitely. So,
2: yeah, it's definitely a big red flag in a lot of situations. So having this is great, not not only to protect the animals, but also just to make communities aware of the sort of people that are around them. And I do hope that the report is true and that this does spread across the country. And I cannot wait to see the positive things that happen in Tennessee because of it.
1: And we have a, one of our guests that are here tonight, Trump mm-hmm. 360. Uh, said there's cases in Washington where dogs were forced to fight each other for food. Oh my gosh! And I also saw um, on Facebook a post where this dog they used kittens
5: mm-hmm. for
1: bait, and this kitty just had was just oh oh, oh oh oh
6: oh oh my god! I want to, oh man, dang, uh-uh. yeah.
1: puncture wounds and oh my god, Lord. Lord! And it just makes me want to go through and just oh. But I'm a bird lover, and Yum. you know, so I feed them all winter, all year long, actually. But
2: mm-hmm. wow, that is terrible. There are a lot of very sick people, unfortunately. But uh, you know, we can hope for a more positive future. But we do have something that I think is undisputably good news. Uh, This is a little bit of an older story now, but this will be your first time hearing it here on Indie Media Weekly. Uh, Over New Year's, there in my home state of North Carolina was a crisis that was averted by a pastor. So let's go ahead and roll that audio now, and we are going to turn to Joey for his opinion first. So let's go ahead and do that.
5: It was a terrifying New Year's Eve at one church in Fayetteville. Worshipers feared for their lives when they say a man walked into a service holding a gun. But as WNCN's Nate Rogers explains, the pastor was able to get the gun away and everything ended peacefully.
10: Today was absolutely a day of celebration here at Heal the Land Outreach Ministries. The pastor and members say what could have been a horrific tragedy turned into another reason to give thanks. He allowed us to be here for a reason. Around 11.30 Thursday, Pastor Larry Wright was in the middle of sharing his New Year's Eve sermon. He says he noticed a man enter the sanctuary holding a rifle in the air. Wright says he immediately left the podium and confronted the stranger. He said, you know, I came here with some terrible things on my mind. I wanted to do some some bad. I was going to do some bad things. Wright, who's also a city council member, says you could feel the panic in the air. Church members screaming, others running straight for the door. I was very scared I had my granddaughter with me and I
1: just automatically just grabbed her her and and embraced her head so that if
11: any bullets would fly I would get the bullets and not my granddaughter.
10: Wright says the man calmly shared he'd been previously hurt by the church recently released from prison and also a veteran. He then asked for prayer. Wright took the gun away and called for other men to come and embrace the man.
6: When I told the the congregation it's okay he wants prayer and I
10: began to pray for him and the power of God hit and he fell to his knees and began to cry and weep and he had his face on the ground. After prayer, the man sat and heard the rest of Wright's sermon. Wright says he then apologized to the congregation and professed his faith in Christ. After service, he was led away by police.
6: God stepped in and God moved on that young man's heart
10: and instead of him shooting and killing a lot of people, God touched his heart. Police say the man involved in this incident has not been charged. He's currently receiving treatment at a local facility. In Fayetteville, I'm Nate Rogers, WNCN News Now.
2: All right, so uh, as you heard in that clip, uh, this man walked into a black church in North Carolina on New Year's. He was holding a rifle. What he was planning to do, we can only leave to our imaginations, But as we've discussed Mm -hmm. on the program before and all the stories that we've gone through, Joey, it's these black churches that have so much strength and power that it just boggles the mind that when they see their churches burned down, they carry on. They don't seek vengeance. They don't seek to do anything about it except to continue and to be hopeful and to be christ-like unlike the fundamentalists that we so often have to report on in liberal talk radio so this man not only did he walk up to the shooter knowing full well that he was taking his own life into his hands doing so but he managed to turn around the situation save his congregation and this man has now voluntarily self-committed to seek help
6: yeah well uh uh first, I like to say you know this pastor he was a hero, and i you know and i like, kudos to him for you know stepping up and risking his life that way, but you know uh uh we you know african americans uh are, we all are very spiritual, spiritual people, you know most of us anyway, and uh you know it's that's all we had. You know, as over the years in this country, you know, through slavery, through Jim Crow, and all that, but that's the strongest thing we had. It was prayer. You know, and uh, and months on the thing, family and everything. And uh, you, this guy, you know, you know, he he was troubled. You know, I could tell he was troubled, and and he had a lot on his mind. And and I believe that, you know, I don't think he would have done that. You know. But thanks to that, thanks to that uh, pastor Wright, you know he, 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 uh, you know he stepped in and talked to him. That's that's how a whole lot of you know, uh, black pe- preachers are. You know they talk to you, make you think. You know, you know, man, you shouldn't do this. You know, uh, you know, you, you don't want nothing bad to happen to you. Think about your family. You know, think about your your parents. Think about your you know if you have sons or daughters, think about them. Your wife. or Brothers and sisters, you know, you you can't do this, you know. But there ain't no telling what the pastor said to him, but whatever he said to him made the man think and made him change his mind about doing something horrible that we already saw, you know.
2: Yeah. And we've seen it so many times over and over. And I have to say, I agree with you 100% that he's a hero. And, John, I, I know that you yourself are an atheist, and we of course aren't going to discuss whether this was an act of God or whatever, but just the bravery of this pastor to do this, to, to avert what could have been catastrophic, what could not have been. We don't know what was going through his mind. Uh, but I mean, what, what do you think about that? Would you have been able to do that in the same situation?
7: Um, I, I, I don't know. It'd be, it'd be too easy to, um, sit here and be like, yeah, you know, I would totally do that. See, I, I don't know, Um, and, you know, I think more, I know you said we're not going to get into this, but I'm going there. Um, (laughs) I think more instead of, I think since the guy had a relationship with the church in the past, I think the pastor reaching out to him, you know, human to human made the situation better than it could have been. You know, just being able to be there and reach out and say, hey, man, you know, we got this, you know, and Mm -hmm. if they sat down and prayed together, you know, I'm not, you know, I'm not going there. Yeah. But, you know, the human kindness when, you know, as you said, we see so many people, you know, in the religious circles like... Oh, you know, like man, man, man. You know, like high and mighty. Mm-hmm. So you know, seeing this, you know, kind of gives me faith in humanity. You know, non-dingus um, <laughs> Christians, but you know, I I think more it's the human aspect of it.
2: Yeah, and actually, I'm I'm glad you brought that up. Um, you know. Uh Janet, of course, you are a uh ex Catholic. Um the No ex Lutheran. Oh, ex Lutheran, I am so sorry. I'm a renegade Catholic. (laughs) A renegade Catholic. Remember, we ran
1: away from them. We started our own church.
2: You are the OG Protestants, so kudos (laughs) to you. But um... (laughs) I don't know if I'll ever use that term again on air, but anyway. Um But what, you know what
1: does OG mean?
2: Oh God! Uh, original gangster.
1: Oh yes, so <laughs> <Yeah. good>. yes. <laughs> well, <laughs> he kind of was in a way. Martin.
6: He was, mm-hmm. yeah. Mm-hmm. But you know, I tell you one thing, though, Jonathan and guys. Snork mm-hmm. says, "If if if that guy would have got locked up, you know, Pastor Wright would have been there on his, you know, by his side the whole step of the way, man.
0: Mm-hmm.
6: I got a
1: feeling he would have." Mm-hmm. Well, and another, oh, Pagan Goddess. Hi. Hi, Snork. Um, but the thing, too, that I love about this is this guy was probably the good guy with the gun. Not really needing a gun, right? Because he met the original guy with a gun. In exactly. In church. Yep. No? Exactly. The minister you know. didn't need it. need it because what John said was right. That minister looked at him like a human being and came over and hugged him yeah the church embraced him and really a lot of times that's what we all need it's just a hug and and um love yeah absolutely
6: yeah. i don't it's think- not too much that going around these days but it's one thing about the black church man they would they would accept you man with love, man, open arms, man. Mm
0: -hmm.
6: It's one thing about it, man, you know, because, you know, my mother's church is like that, you know, where I church, where, you know, I don't go to church much, but, you know, my mom, she goes a lot, but, you know, I know the pastor, and he came to see me three times when I was, you know, laid up in the hospital, Mm -hmm. and, you know, and he's got a, we got a pretty big church and and a fairly big congregation, Mm -hmm. and he had time to come see me. Wow. Yeah
7: that that's happened to me too like the um one of the times uh I was in the hospital um you know when I was starting the descent into dirty dirty filthy atheism <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the um the pastor <clears throat> one of the um pastors from the church that I went to is a youngster um came in with his wife and they're very kind and, you know, they prayed for me and, you know, I've had pastors from the hospital that I go to, you know, when I need to go come in and pray for me and sit Mm -hmm. there and talk to me. So, you know, like I said earlier, there, there are the good ones out there. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's too easy to get skewed from, um, Skewed from, hey, you know, all Christians are dingus. Yeah, but
6: yeah, you you got some good ones out there, and you got them pimps too. Yeah, and yeah. The, the pimps in the pool pit. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
2: That, that so. is very very true.
1: Flying um, around in their jets.
2: Yeah.
7: <laughs> oh, speaking of, did you see that video or listen mm-hmm. to that video? Which video? <laughs> There was a video on this, been going around like these two mega pastors sitting there talking about why they need private yeah, jets. Chaps, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they literally said that first class was full of demons, like regular commercial airlines are full of demons. So they what? need their private jets so God can speak to them directly. Oh, my
2: God. Okay. Oh, Lord. Oh, boy. Uh... (laughs) Moving right along. (laughs) Okay. Oh, gosh. Well,
1: do demons not, are they not able to travel anywhere? I mean, do you really think a private jet's going to keep a demon out?
2: Well, one would think (laughs) that they would be able to go anywhere. Yeah. Yeah, if you do you You would think that they would be able to go anywhere i mean uh
1: you're supposed they're supposed to be with you at all, all times i mean yeah. saints and
2: I mean, I'm fairly certain that they're on every single one of trump's private plans
1: exactly you <laughs> <laughs> was trying to go back to my catechism days the... <laughs> I didn't have to go that far back there you go.
2: All right, so uh, we are running short of time for this segment, unfortunately, but I do want to get to one more story real quick. Uh, This is another story that shows the power of human intervention, even if it took far longer than it should have. Uh, But this is a story that does not have any audio, but Janet will be bringing it to you because she broke the story live on this program first, and something is finally being done about it.
1: Yes, I am so excited. Excuse me tonight. The Environmental Protection Agency is ordering installation of isolation barriers to make sure that that underground fire in St. Louis doesn't read the, reach that buried nuclear waste at the suburban St. Louis landfill site. We had talked about this earlier where they had the, um, the fire that was going and there was concerns because there was hardly a path in between, um, and so... The Westlake landfill now is going to try to help mitigate those concerns. She said the isolation barrier is going to consist of an underground wall and the material has yet to be determined. And that I'm kind of wondering what Snork has to say about this because he kind of understands this kind of stuff better than I do. This nuclear waste is dating back to the Manhattan Project that was dumped there at Westlake in 1973. And the underground fire is smoldering less than twelve hundred feet away from that landfill. They're both owned by the service that I use, Republic Landfill. And the work's going to get paid for by Republic Services and Cotter Corporation. The contractor working for Cotter is the one that dumped the illegal nuclear material. Uh oh, Snork said you hmm. probably don't want to know.
2: Probably. I don't have wanna. a
1: feeling. <clears throat> There's nothing that we can do. Oh gosh. Okay, Snork kinda of hold it. Yeah. Uh <laughs> I well I
2: I hope you that's know. not the case. But if if it does work, I can tell you that this will at least be one tremendous wall that we can guarantee is tremendous <laughs> and <it's>
1: not <laughs> I doubt it'll be made of gold though.
2: Yeah, it won't be made of gold and it probably won't have a door in it. But, you know. It would be nice if at least one nice wall was built this year.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I like a wall around here to keep out those squirrels.
2: Yeah, yes, I know that. Uh, Janet, by the way, has a terrible hatred of squirrels. But we will talk yes, more I about do. that.
1: They're pains in the
7: butt. Even, even rally squirrels, Janet.
1: No, I like him. He doesn't poop. Or leave stuff all over. You know, he just goes out there and he says, come on, Cardinals. And here, my squirrels in my backyard, Mm. they poop all over my stuff and they chew on my wood. Oh, no. Yeah.
2: I hate it when squirrels chew on my wood.
1: Anyway, we will be right back here.
2: (laughs) That sounded terrible. We will be right back (laughs) (laughs) On Southern Progressive Revival For voices of our black past, present, and future With Joey Ward So don't change that dial We'll see you in just a few
3: You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival
0: And we know Democrats support The working men and women of this country So we understand hard work So let's talk a little bit about Ideas And how we reclaim Ideas that we know win in red states.
3: Southern Progressive Revival at Indy Media Weekly Radio.
8: Hey, Joe, what are you doing?
2: Repairing the GOP clown car. What's wrong with it? Well, you know your show.
8: You mean the Tim Coramal show right here on IndieMediaWeekly.com? Yes. Where each week a panel of guests joins us for a progressive roundtable discussion about politics, news, and other fun topics?
2: Yes. And you know how we check out which members of the GOP climbed into the clown car each week? Yes. Well, there's been so many GOP clowns lately, they broke the springs. Oh, no, really? <laughs> yes. But don't worry. With the GOP presidential primary season coming up, the clown car will now have new heavy-duty springs to carry the load.
8: So not only will our show be way better than those Sunday cable shows, we'll also have our very own clown car.
2: Right. Now, close that garage door, Tim, before the clowns get in.
8: Join us and our panel of guests every week right here on Indie Media Weekly. Oh, and don't forget, we have clowns. Dang it, I think a few slipped through.
3: Tune in for the Tim Coromall Show on Indie Media Weekly Radio. Mondays and Wednesdays at 8.30 a.m. Eastern, or in prime time on Thursday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly Radio at IndieMediaWeekly.com. This is Adam
9: Hebert, a man with breathtaking anger management issues, and I hope that you will listen to my program, Mike Check Radio with Adam Hebert, live every Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Fuck
0: yeah!
9: Every week on Mike Check Radio, me and my co hosts, Rob Poole and Kenny Pig, will talk about the week's news with righteous indignation facts and a large dose of comedy. Inconceivable! Join us as we try to answer the question of just how many Republican douchebags there are in Washington, D.C. It's over (sighs) 9,000! We'll also crown our Assholes of the Week during our program.
1: You are the leading asshole in the state!
9: Finally on our show, we'll also talk about the latest in news for video games, comic books, film, science, anime, and manga, all for your entertainment and learning pleasure.
7: Well, that sounds really shallow
9: and stupid. Let's try it. Don't forget, that's Mike Checkrade with Adam Hebert live every Saturday night, 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern, and only here on Indie Media Weekly Radio for those who dare. Oh, and Cranker demands that you listen to our program.
12: You are crazier than a crap fight in a monkey house. Listen to Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern for three hours of news, opinion, and laughs. This is what comedian and talk show host John Fugelsang has to say about Turn Up the Night. You guys
13: really walk a good line of having it be really collegial and really having
12: a a show that, you know, blends the uh, intelligence with the irreverence, which is the hardest balance to pull off. Still not convinced you should listen to Turn Up the Night? Well, listen to what legendary writer, actor, and comedian Rick Overton has to say.
13: I just don't think we can use the mainstream news for
12: much anymore. I'm, I'd much rather go to you than to CNN for anything. You know, I would trust what my friends have to say more. Well, who can argue with that? Turn Up the Night with Kenny Pick, live every Tuesday and Friday from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern on Indie Media Weekly. For those who dare.
3: You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival.
1: We're the people you see every day in the grocery stores. We obey the laws, we pay our taxes, we fly our flags on holidays, and we plod along trying to make it better for ourselves and our children.
3: Southern Progressive Revival at
2: Indie Media Weekly Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival. I am your host, Jonathan Matthews, reporting live from Richmond, Kentucky. I would like to go ahead and take this time to welcome back to the program Ms. Janet Lee, the lady who has taken my mind down to the gutter, and I can assure you that squirrels are not eating my wood. Welcome back, Janet.
1: <laughs> well, thank you.
2: You are so welcome. <laughs> I think you get a little blue around here once in a while, don't we? We do. <laughs> we we we
0: certainly do. Oh gosh, it is.
2: I must say. And uh, yes, indeed, no squirrels, no squirrels at all. They they are they are otherwise uh, endeavored and tasks that are important to squirrel kind. Uh and next. Mm-hmm. Our <laughs> our brand new addition to the show, live from Missoula, Montana, bringing you the Yankee perspective every week on Southern Progressive Revival, Mr. John Kendall. Welcome back, sir.
7: Yeah, tonight's show, not being sponsored by uh, beer, but sponsored by uh, Gatorade.
2: Yeah, yeah, Gatorade's a good thing. What flavor you got there? Citrus Cooler. Ah, it's my favorite. You have good taste, my favorite. Whatever you
7: do, do not drink the lime cucumber. It is dreadful.
2: Oh, that sounds disgusting.
7: It is. Well. <laughs> it smells bad, it tastes bad, it's all around bad.
2: Well, we probably just lost our Gatorade endorsement, but that's okay, because (laughs) (laughs) we have the man so cool that he could sell ice to an Eskimo, Mr. Joey Word, along with his triumphant return of Voices of Our Black Past, Present, and Future, as he controls this half hour. Welcome back, Joey.
6: Well, hello, everyone, and it's good to be here, and it's good to see y'all guys in the chat room and everyone listening. Hello, Michelle. It's my new lady friend, guys. So say hello to her. Ooh, la, la. Oh, hello,
2: Michelle. You got a good one.
9: Wow, chicka, wow, wow.
1: <laughs>
7: <laughs> well,
1: welcome, welcome. Stream, Come join us in chat. Other, huh?
6: huh? <laughs> we just getting to know each other right now. See where things um, go.
2: I understand. Yeah. Well, you know, we we we're, the we're way rooting you for you. Said that
7: smoothly.
2: I know. Yeah. <laughs>
7: <laughs> no. No,
2: I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding. Joey, the love doctor. No. So Joey, my good sir, are you ready for your half hour? Yes, sir. Alright, let's go ahead and cue that jingle.
11: Voices of our black past, present, and future with Joey Word. We have come here from the dusty plantations of the deep south. There have been
10: many of our people across the country from all walks of life who have taken it upon themselves to try and pool their ideas.
0: It was the 31st of August in 1962 that 18 of us... 26 miles to the county courthouse
10: in Indianola to try to register to become first-class citizens. I've had a number of threatening calls, people calling me saying they were going to kill
0: me. My mother explained racism and segregation to me. And what she said, and I'll never forget this, she said, this is not the way things are supposed to be. This might be the way they are now, but they are not supposed to be this way.
2: All right, Mr. Joey Word. Take it away, sir.
6: All right. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, I got a war uh, African American World War II veteran and hero. His name is Doris Miller. Everyone call him Dory. He was born in Waco, Texas on uh October 12, 1919, to Connery and Henrietta Miller. They were farmers outside the city. Yeah, uh, he grew up, uh he gr- he grew to six foot three. He weighed 200 pounds, that's a big brother, and played football at Waco's A.J. Moore Academy. He dropped out of school at the age of 17 and uh, enlisted in the U.S. Navy in 1939 at the age of 20. Uh, He was uh, uh, eventually uh, elevated to a cook, third class, to assign to the USS uh, West Virginia stationed at Pearl Harbor in Hawaii. He was doing laundry as a mess attendant uh, aboard the West Virginia on uh, uh, December the seventh, nineteen forty-one, when uh, it was uh, subjected to a surprise attack by Japanese forces. After hearing a loud and urgent, uh, urgent uh, 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 summons to battle, he he uh, who made his way from below deck to the ship's uh, bridge saw Japanese fighter planes attacking U.S. naval forces and the harbor already engulfed in flames. He ran to the uh, anti-aircraft station only to find it uh, uh, shattered by a Japanese torpedo. Uh, He then pulled pulled a captain and several of his crewmates to safety under heavy enemy fire. And Jonathan, uh, you have a clip for me, man, uh, from his, uh, from Ernest Smith, his second cousin.
2: I certainly and, do.
6: Uh, could. You play that, please.
12: Absolutely, rolling it now. I know they say he only shot down one plane, but he said he shot down four.
7: Yeah,
12: he said I shot down four planes,
6: and one of the things he said that he had never seen before. And he don't
10: forget, he said was in the, you know, on the ship, everybody was running and going on. He said this guy was running towards him and said, all at once his head just disappeared, you know. Shell blew his head and said his body stood there a while before it fell, you know. That's one of the things, one of the things I remember remember him saying.
6: Yeah, and after making sure that his fellow sailors were out of harm's way, Miller returned to the uh, bridge, Secured an uh, uh, under 10 or 50 caliber anti aircraft gun and began firing at Japanese warplanes. Although he had no previous training in operating uh, the, the weapon, by the end of the attack, he managed to shoot down at least two and perhaps as many as six Japanese aircrafts. You know, and, um, and, and he also said it wasn't hard. I just pulled the trigger. And she, she worked fine. <laughs> Once Miller ran out of ammunition, he was uh uh ordered to abandon ship. And uh, although he uh let me see, although he uh, although his courage under the fire was intentionally overlooked, and and black press seized his story, and and pressured the navy to recognize him on May twenty seventh, nineteen forty two, Admiral Chester. Uh, w. Nimitz honored him with awarding him a Navy cross the third highest medal in the Navy and uh, the Navy being uh, 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 promoted a uh, military cook third class to move him from the laundry room to the gallery. Well, you know, <laughs> that's, you know, I, you know, my opinion and, you know, I think he should deserve, he deserved the medal of honor, honor for that, but you know, it was those days, brother, you know, and uh, you have a, a second clip for me from uh, Dr. Uh, w. Marvin uh, 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 Dulaney from University of Texas, Texas, Arlington. I do. Yes, uh, sir. Uh, Jonathan, uh, uh, you wrote that for me, brother? Absolutely. He sort of stands alone, you know, um, like, like we sort of said. He, he did more than some of the men who, who, who have already gotten the, the Medal of Honor. And then uh, under the circumstances, for him to come up on deck... Uh, as a messman who wasn't expected to do any more than cook and clean, and to come up there and actually participate in, in, in the battle beyond the, the call of duty, putting his own life in jeopardy, I, I think he, he, he deserves it. Yeah, and during the spring of 1943, uh, he was uh, assigned to the uh, Lipscomb Bay and was still serving as a messman on the warship despite his previous heroism when, when the carrier was, was sunk in the, in, the, in the Gilbert Islands, now of the, of the Republic of uh, uh, Kar- Karapi, or whatever that is, <laughs> on November 24, uh, 1943, at the time of his death. <clears throat> in addition, the Navy Cross Miller received the Purple Heart and, and the American Defense Service Medal. Fleet, uh, 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 you know, he, he, yeah, uh, he, he, he got the fleet uh, class, that the anesthetic, uh, what's that, uh, yeah, the Asiatic, uh, uh, Pacific campaign medal, and the World War II Victory medal. In 1973, the Knox class, Brigade USS Miller was named for Doris winning the winning the the academy award winning cuba good jr you know he portrayed him in the movie pearl harbor in 2001 In 1991 the alpha kappa the the alpha kappa alpha sorority dedicate a bronze commemorative plaque of of his honor at the miller uh, to the miller family uh uh park located in the u.s naval base in pearl harbor and you have a third clip for me jonathan is coming from uh, what's his name? James M. Sorley, professor of, of of history, uh, of Baylor University. Yes, sir. Rolling it
10: now. I think that Doris Miller becomes a very important symbol. He's an important uh, representation of heroism and, and loyalty and patriotism that all would fit into the military. Way of thinking, you know, regardless of what his race was.
6: Yes, and 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 I'd like to say, for me and from Indy Media Weekly, uh, Doris Dory Miller, we salute you, and you was a true hero. This is my this is my country. This is your country. Uh, this is our country. Let's come together and make it a better country. I know we all don't uh, don't, don't agree. agree but we all can agree to disagree with love and respect, not hate and disrespect. Thanks, Jonathan. And y'all got any words for well, you know my little story?
2: <laughs> well, well, first of all, I want to thank you for bringing it. And really, the story of Dory Miller is such an inspirational one. And even though he didn't perhaps get the award he deserved, I, I think we can actually fairly say that he definitely didn't get the award that he deserved. Um. Mm-hmm. You know, the fact that he continued to serve after that, the fact that he stayed in that position despite his heroism and despite them not giving him the promotion that he deserved, speaks to how committed he was to this country and how committed he was to the cause. And that's a true hero, a true patriot. Yeah, true patriot. Yes, sir. Mm -hmm. Yes, sir. In every sense of the word. Uh, Yes, sir, man. And you know
6: he he was he was he was bad man. You know he he was tough. He was. But you know, uh, uh, I just like to say you know thank y'all for letting me do this, man. And and I want to get a lot of like a lot of people like this recognized, so people can go out and read about these people, man, and learn about these people and learn about you know we you know all blacks are not bad people. You know we're not just. It's, you know, we're not uh, gang members, drug dealers, and all that type of stuff. You know, it's good people out there, man. We're trying to make a change mm. in
2: this country. Absolutely. Uh, Janet, John, do you have anything to say about Dorita Miller?
1: No, I take my hat off to him because I think it would be really hard to continue in that area when you get ignored like that. Mm-hmm. You know, that would be very hard to do, but... There were so many African Americans that had to do stuff like that. Yes, you know, it's
6: it's like the Tuskegee Airmen, you know. Yeah,
1: yeah, and they just kept on, you know, going on even though they were treated so disrespectfully, and even, even today in this world. But which kind of is in line with the. Karma audio. It, it <laughs> is. <laughs> yes. Uh, we did
2: not get to get to this audio during gentlefolk and situations because we ran a little bit over. But I think that this sort of goes the voices of our black past, present, and future. Yes, uh, I love it. Kind of gets
1: it for Dory. Oh yeah. You know? yeah, 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 <laughs> yeah. You okay. say thank you, Dory. I get to do this. <laughs> <laughs> yes yeah, so thanks
2: to <laughs> thanks to fighters like Dory and the other people that uh Joey has profiled we do have black judges in this country today Which is a beautiful thing And unfortunately, sometimes they do face disrespect Now, this recording that we are about to play Is from a courtroom So you may have to listen a little closely The audio does get a little bit clearer near the end But I'm going to go ahead and play it through And once it's done uh, If one of you is brave enough to say what was bleeped out Go for it But here we go <laughs>
10: Uh, you want the uh, bond return to you? i have sign this order here once you get it, and then we'll uh, take it up, okay? I so get it, thanks.
4: Thank you, Your Honor. How the New Year starts. Is there something that you wish to say to me? No, it's my brother. Oh, was
6: that to your brother Because yes, I heard you say a racial epithet no 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 text. I didn't mean it like
4: that oh you didn't mean it like that no. well I'll tell you what I'm going to hold you in contempt of court for having said that
6: and you don't speak those words in here yes, and sir. that word particularly yes, you sir. don't use that word
4: I'm gonna give you 60 days for having used that word hold you in contempt right now for having done it in this court it's disrespectful don't ever do it again
0: thank you sheriff So yeah, Yeah, I
6: I would I would be the honor to say that the guy called the judge a punk ass nigger.
7: He he used the hard er, not the the a. He said er. He added er to it. Mm -hmm.
2: (laughs) And And, the beautiful.
7: Me personally,
6: I would have gave him a year. You get a year, and every word you say, I'm gonna give you another year for each word you say. Oh yeah, say something else.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but I will say that it is beautiful. He got thirty days added onto his sentence for doing that, and bravo to this judge for doing it. I think that it's phenomenal. Yeah, that was straight up. No, well, he got
1: sixty. He got two months.
2: No, oh, sixty. I apologize. Yes, he got two months. Okay. Yeah, game sixty. Yeah, and he deserves every day of it.
1: Yes, and and one of our non says, "Boom." <laughs> is that you sister joe yes S- sister joe if
2: you're out there i want you to know that i love you since i never get i love you backs so you know feeling feeling a little left out here on southern progressive revival but i'm uh,
1: not typing or else she's trying to figure out her password again
2: oh that's fine I'm sure they'll get.
1: I'm sure Matt, whoever. Sister Joe. Oh,
2: that—that that is a possibility. But either way, we respect your boom because it was a very boom moment, John. And
7: <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean the the only boom moment is when he when the judge lowered the hammer. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, oh hey, you know, don't come in here being a disrespectful ass, you know, yeah. and I'm and he may have been. You know, lenient, but it, I mean, you go in and say, "Oh, hey, you know, like you're a punk-ass hard ER," then yeah, <laughs> <laughs> in a hard ER. <laughs> <laughs>
6: <laughs> yeah, oh, man, that was. Woo. I'm glad. He, I'm glad he did it, though, man. I'm glad he did it. That was real uncalled for, man. You don't do that, man. No. In in front of a black judge, man, in his courtroom? Absolutely. What are you going to think he was going to do, just let you walk out? No, mm-hmm. man.
2: But I love how, uh-uh. I, I don't know if everybody could hear it or not, but he was so casual at the beginning that it, it, it just tickled my funny bone. He was like, oh, Lord, this is how this new year is going to begin. <laughs>
6: You know, and and I could tell in the, in the in the judge's voice that you know he can he took that a little personal too, man. Oh you know.
0: yeah,
6: absolutely. You know, hard I don't work to get up on this bench, and I'm gonna have some little punk like that. You know, you know that show that goes to show that a whole lot of them guys think you know think we are inferior.
2: Yeah,
6: they do. Even though I don't care how what position we in in this country, there's a lot of people out there think we're inferior. They they think the president right now is inferior to them. And you know, and what we were talking about last last week ain't got a pot to piss in or a window to throw out of. Mm
2: -hmm.
6: You know them type of people.
2: Yep, absolutely. And they are unfortunately a very vocal minority. But you know what? Mm -hmm. If you go into a judge's courtroom and you decide to be your normal self and you let your colors fly. You're getting your butt sent to jail, every for sixty extra days. Every,
6: every courtroom I've been in, I showed that judge respect. You know, what I'm oh, saying? Yeah. no matter what. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm that not kind? gonna. Hey, you ain't finna put no time on me for saying something wrong. Oh, yes, ma'am. Yes, sir. Yes, your honor. You know yeah. that. You know. You know. I don't want no. You know. No. No. No drama up mm-hmm. in no courtroom like that, especially with, when it comes to the judge. Oh yeah.
7: No way. Mm-hmm. I know you don't disrespect the person that's over that has authority over you. And that that kind of reminds me of like that spoiled girl, I think in hashtag Florida, that the judge was like <laughs> handing down his <laughs> sentence and she flipped him off.
2: Oh Ooh. my god. And
7: he hit her with like contempt and Contempt of court for like sixty days. Also, I think. Oh,
0: <laughs> well, yeah! This, like,
7: this it was a guy. video conference.
1: Oh my god!
7: And you know, um, he gave her her sentence, and she kind of stepped off. But you could clearly see her flip him off, and it's like, yikes!
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and like this the Slatterly the satterly that that said it. He's like, oh no, I didn't mean it like that. Well, how how are you supposed to take it? Exactly. I and mean, w- punk ass.
2: <laughs> <laughs> why would why would <laughs> he say why why in a million why in a million years would he say that to his white brother? Why why why?
1: Yeah. What did his What did his brother say or do? You know, his brother tried, tried to stand in there. Probably,
6: you know, I, you know, if you, you you know like me, I got brothers myself. I ain't gonna call them now and say you. Dumbass, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you know, uh, something like that, you know, that mm-hmm. was stupid, you know, like stuff like that.
2: Yeah, exactly. I you
6: know, ain't gonna do that, that especially no during courtroom. Yeah, nah. Yep. But I'm, a, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna whisper it, you know. Dumbass, what the fuck wrong with you? What's wrong with you, man? You know.
2: <laughs> Silently contemplate strangling him, you know.
6: Yeah, Things
2: man. like that, you know. <laughs> Not that we advocate man, that strangling stupid. here on Southern that Progressive real Revival. real
6: stupid, man. What dude, he must have been drunk or high or something, man.
2: Something. Yeah, and, Um. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> but yes, justice was properly served, so I'm glad to see it um all right we're gonna go ahead and head to our second break of the evening we are done with hour one and i have to say that flew by pretty quick so uh we're gonna go to break once we come back uh we will begin with our next segment uh just so you know we will not be having the high tower lowdown tonight because we are going to be airing a episode of the redneck liberal so that you get to know our guest mr joe lee in hour three so let's go ahead and go to break and we'll be right back here with you on southern progressive revival
3: you're listening to Southern Progressive Revival.
7: We have been the instrument of change in the past. We know
5: what needs to be done. We know how to do it. We know that we can impact policies which affect education, human rights, civil rights,
7: economic and social opportunity.
3: Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio.
12: Are you ready for the fastest hour in radio? Listen every Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern to Paul's Memory Bank exclusively on Indie Media Weekly. DJ Paul will serve up a mix of classic rock, pop, and novelty music all tied together with a weekly theme. Be sure to sign up in the Paul's Memory Bank chat. Simply go to indiemediaweekly.com, select the Live tab, and scroll down to Paul's Memory Bank. Paul's Memory Bank, live every Thursday from 9 to 10 p.m. Eastern only on Indie Media Weekly. Hi, this is Kenny Pick, and be sure to listen to my music program, The Night Show, every Friday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern, right here on Indie Media Weekly. The Night Show features a broad selection of eclectic music from my personal library, as well as your requests. So be sure to visit IndyMediaWeekly.com and find the tab for The Night Show. Join the chat and submit your request every Friday from 11 p.m. to 1 a.m. Eastern on The Night Show. Only on Indie Media Weekly. IndyMediaWeekly.com for those who dare.
1: Don't miss Musical Mayhem with Lauren Mayer. Topical comedy songs and commentary from your friendly local humorist, songwriter, and opinionated Jewish mother. You can catch the show right here on Indie Media Weekly on Mondays and Wednesdays at 9.30 a.m., Thursdays at 8 p.m., right after the Tim Coromall Show. You can catch my weekly comedy videos on my YouTube channel, Psycho Supermom, and order CDs through most major retailers as well as my website, laurenmayer.com. So join us for Musical Mayhem, where music, politics, and comedy intersect. So new?
12: Hi, this is Kenny Pick from Turn Up the Night, and you're listening to Indie Media Weekly. Don't change that dial. If you do, I'll know. Like a sneaky ninja, I will know. You're listening
3: to Southern Progressive Revival. And knowing the world as I do,
1: I can tell you without any equivocation that the number one abuse of human rights on Earth is strangely not addressed quite often is the abuse of women and girls.
3: Southern Progressive Revival. All
2: right, everybody. Welcome back to Hour 2 of Southern Progressive Revival. I am, as always, your host, Jonathan Matthews. And if you're just joining us, you missed quite a lot of fun stuff, but that's okay because you can catch it on our podcast, which is available on both iTunes and iTunes. And via our Facebook page, if you are signed up for that, so look for that wherever you may Facebook and I would like to welcome back to the program at this time, our brand new co-host, Mr. John Kendall from Missoula, Montana. Welcome back, sir. Hello, oh, hey
7: sorry, sorry, I got kind of distracted. <laughs> <So>. <laughs>
2: it is all right all right well welcome back john we appreciate you being here and becoming a permanent part of the spur team as i like to call it and of course i would like to welcome back the man of the last half hour and every hour for that matter mr joey word from nashville tennessee phenomenal job sir
6: thank you man i messed up a little bit but uh, you know you know it is what it is and hello (laughs) hello everyone in the chat room hello hello everyone listening hey and i want everyone so please go out and vote. Yes.
2: Yeah. It makes a difference. It does Trust me. Makes a huge difference. And you did a phenomenal job, Joey. So don't don't you Thank worry you about that at all. Not a problem. And uh last but certainly not least, the lady whose jingle I often forget to play. I'll play it tonight. But after that I'm going to have to seriously get to work on making a jingle for John and checking on the progress of Joey's jingle because uh yeah. But let's go ahead and introduce Janet back to the show with her very own jingle.
1: Janet became a star
4: literally overnight. She had not gone looking for fame.
11: Fame
1: had found her.
11: I know that I cannot put up with a whole weekend of your archaic views.
1: You don't want to make me mad now, do you?
11: It is never
12: too late to run away. Janet Lee on Southern Progressive Revival.
10: Well, I am a modern woman. I'm more afraid of her than I am of you.
1: Welcome back, modern woman. Well, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but I yes, love that
2: jingle—it is a fun jingle. And John and Joey, I promise, very, very soon the jingles—they will be here. Uh, ah. Cool, <laughs> I
6: can, i cannot wait, bro. I—I know it's—it's it's gonna be. Uh, I know it's gonna be pretty bad- badass. Just because my last name, man, you know, I know yeah. it. I just
0: know it.
2: It lends itself, I have to say. I don't know. We might have to yeah. go with a, hmm, let's see, John's last name. Maybe we can go with a candle theme. What do you think? Something uh, scented? Some vanilla, perhaps?
7: Mm, see, I think peach. <laughs> I'm a fan of the peach smell.
2: Yeah, peach is quite nice, I have to say. The citruses, you know. They're timeless. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let us go ahead and dive into Gander Episode Box. So we'll go ahead and get that jingle running and we have some wonderful news to bring from uh <laughs> to bring to you from Kentucky, the state in which I now reside. So, let's go with it.
3: Gander at the soapbox.
2: Gosh darn
12: it, who diddly I'm conservative? What do you have a higher opinion of, Congress or dog poop? I think
1: the report's full of crap. My goodness, I didn't know solid waste management was so controversial.
8: We'll have more of everything. We were discussing disease, we were discussing all sorts of things tonight. You know, I apologize, we left the helicopter at home. You know, I, I don't have to defend everything that
12: I've ever done.
8: Isn't
1: that the Tea Party in a nutshell?
12: Republican on Republican violence. There isn't a Republican Party. I humbly ask for your vote whenever you're going to get to vote, whenever the primary is.
2: So in love. All right, welcome to Gander at the Soapbox, where we take a look at politicians from here visiting here and campaigns going on in the South. And as you all know, shortly after I moved to the state of Kentucky a man by the name of Matt Bevin became the governor of the state. <laughs> you, can, you can hear the shutters going through the crowd as, as my voice gently provides this information. So, Matt Bevan, Tea Party darling, he ran... On a very significant promise. He said that Medicaid in Kentucky could not be sustained. That he would stamp it down. That it would be over. That nobody in Kentucky would have access to the devious, quote-unquote, Obamacare ever again. But, guess what, folks? According to Matt Bevan, this is a direct quote, we are going to transform the way Medicaid is delivered in Kentucky, and this transformation, I think, will be a model to the nation. So, basically... Let me go ahead and uh, read between the lines for each of you In case you haven't already heard the news Matt Bevan has come into power He did everything he could to win this election Which was basically to run against Obama And it was successful But now that he is taken to the governorship He has realized that dismantling something That a significant amount of Kentuckians Including 75% of the population in many counties Is not tenable He is not going to touch Obamacare. And I have to say, before we go any further, that deserves a round of applause. So Let me go ahead and cue that up. (laughs) So, uh, Janet, I will let you bring the rest of the story. But as somebody who moved to Kentucky specifically to get on Medicaid so that I could get out of medical debt... So that I could raise my child, so that I could improve my body and my life, and make sure that my child, that was born with several congenital heart defects, was able to live and to thrive. This is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful news.
1: Yeah, it really is. And <laughs> this guy's such a oh, the, the guy's crazier, just crazier than a bedbug. You know, he. <laughs> went on this problem, on this issue, trying to make a problem where none existed. Connect, Kentucky Kentucky, Connect is a model for the country. I mean, they had it together here. Um, and yes, I I think that we need a single pair, but we didn't get that. So we've got Obamacare, or the ACH, and um, they already have a model. None of the tea baggers or these right wing nut jobs really have a plan, so he's not going to be doing anything. And he was basing his opinion on Indiana State Exchange, where they'd been lying, lying liar liar about their numbers in an effort to make Obama Care look bad. So his transformation in Kentucky is being based, or what he thinks is going to be based on, has a history of inaccurate data. Or it could be that he wants to just try to destroy it and make it as bad as Indiana's to hurt people um, until they ask him to junk it. But they need to do something, you know. They've got to find out, figure out a way to funnel huge amounts of money, which is what they're wanting, out of the corporate interests, and then once he removes it and is no longer governor, he'll do a do nothing job with, for a couple million dollars a year off the corporate dole, or the corporate tit, however you want to say it. Um, there's any proof, but that's the alternative theory that's out there. So. Cause you know they're not trying to help people. This is not about people, <clears throat> in my humble opinion.
6: Mm-hmm. About the corporations.
1: <laughs> Heck yeah, yeah. About it's- the ones who
6: want to make all the money. You know they. Anyway, they, they. Well, you remember when Barack Obama first came president? You know they was talking about how they just going to ruin. Well, I'm paraphrasing here. How they was going to ruin his his presidency and stuff. And, and this is one of the things they're trying to do. You know, it's yeah. one, of, you know, a whole lot of these states, man, and, and it's, it's people saying Obamacare is shit and this is that, da, da, da. you know, it's working. It's working pretty good for a whole lot of people in some of these, in most of these blue states.
2: Mm-hmm.
6: But it's not working too good in these red states too much, except now, you know, Kentucky, and thank God for that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, I mean, you know, there there are a lot of people that think that he's going to somehow pass something that's going to destroy Connect which is our state exchange, um, to make it more difficult, like Janet had mentioned. But really, it it's what Adam had said, and I think that it's true. Um, after Bevan was elected, uh Adam Hebert, host of Mike Check Radio, live from seven to ten PM Eastern, every Saturday here on Indie Media Weekly with John Kendall, uh, said that, you know, if he wants to be reelected, if he wants to be taken seriously as a politician, he cannot touch this program because there are too many voters in the state that rely on it. And this was really odd, because while Kentucky historically votes red in presidential elections, he is the third Republican governor in the past sixty years. that That tells you how blue Kentucky is when it comes to local government. So Bevan's mm-hmm. election was the result of voter apathy, of people not coming out, of the disastrous policies of the DNC under Debbie Wasserman Schultz. Um, so, you know, he he might make some changes on a surface level to try to appease the Tea Partiers and the right so that he can possibly have a chance at winning re-election, but I really don't think he's going to do anything meaningful enough <laughs> to the already existent system to hurt anybody or take away health care from those that already have it. Um John, I know that we talked about the story a little bit on My Check Radio when I was a co-host over there, but what do you think about Mr. Tea Party or Folding?
7: I, you know, I I could, I s- kind of saw that coming, like, um, it happened the same in Montana, like, um, the governor, uh, Governor Bullock, kind of pussyfooted around, I love that word, anyway, <laughs> um, kinda, you know, pussyfooted footed around with, you know, Medicaid expansion. You know, how much will it cost the state, et cetera, et cetera. You know, the logical stuff. But the thing is, he's a democratic governor, a democrat, a democratic governor. Bleh. Um, and you know, Montana, we have a surplus. Last I read, we have a surplus. So. You know, we expanded it, you know, with not much debate. I mean, you still have your people out there that are like, oh, well, we work hard, so we're just paying for poor people. You know, it's basic. It's basic, you know, judging the people instead of the situation. You know, um, Mm -hmm. I have Medicaid. Mm -hmm. Um, I am also on disability. Um, you know, so and and there are the people out there that you know scream welfare queen, welfare queen, you know, whatever you know, but it's it's to me it's it's kind of it kind of shows that there may be hope after all with people that see, hey, you know, our people matter, mm-hmm. I mean, I may go on to eat these words later on, you know, if he, if he or any other governor that, you know, when they first got in, it was like, oh, yeah, you know, like the Affordable Care Act, blah, blah, blah. But then, you know, actively tries to not go into the health care for the people instead of health care for their
2: wallets. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I I really hope that you're right, because I saw this post on Facebook. I wish I was in the chat right now and that I had had the foresight to save it. But I believe it was Sue Cohen, a friend of the show, who posted it. And it was the most beautiful representation of who the true welfare queens are that I have ever seen. Uh, It showed the symbols of ExxonMobil and all of the energy giants and the big banks and corporations that take much more money, substantially more money. From the taxpayers than individuals on food stamps, disability, or Medicaid ever have. So it was a beautiful thing. And those those are the people that we need to be worried about. Those are the people that whether we ultimately end up voting for President Hillary Clinton or President Bernie Sanders, we're going to go after. And I have faith that both candidates will ultimately do that. And, and that don't we...
1: forget the military complex.
2: Oh, yeah. Yeah, the industrial-military complex in and of itself is just unfathomable.
7: Well, I mean, getting to the military, you know, it's it's kind of funny to me that, you know, the Republicans and the majority of, you know, libertarians, LOL, um, <laughs> scream, well, you know, like, the government doesn't take care of the military, the government. No, it's your side that doesn't. Because, you know, honestly, I call out bullshit no matter where. You know, like, Democrat side. You know, yeah, there's BS over there. And there's BS on the Republican side. But the hypocrisy gets me more. Because the Republicans just voted down um, over a billion dollars in funding for um, military benefits. Like hypocrisy thy name is gop
2: i could not have put it any better myself
6: thanks obama
2: yeah obama. <laughs> 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 and speaking of hypocrisy although uh that has nothing to do with this clip but rather the gop response to what followed after this clip and the executive actions that were put into place by, oh, I apologize. They are, yeah, they are executive actions, uh, by President Obama. We are going to go ahead and uh, play a little bit of audio from President Obama on his opinions about technology, how far it's progressed, and how they could be applied to guns. So let's go ahead and get to that audio right now.
4: We've developed new technologies that make guns safer. If we can set it up so you can't unlock your phone unless you got the right fingerprint. Why can't we do the same thing for our guns? Uh, If there's an app that can help us find a missing tablet, which happens to me often, (laughs) the older I get. If we can do it for your iPad, there's no reason we can't do it with a stolen gun. If a child can't open a bottle of aspirin, we should make sure that they can't pull a trigger on a gun.
2: All right. Okay, so here we have uh, President Obama. This, of course, was said before the executive actions took place, but everything that he said was completely common sense. Would you all agree? Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Obama's trying to take our guns. And guns. they already have that technology. They do. It was just shut down by uh, the NRA. Yeah, absolutely.
6: Uh, and, and a f- whole lot of these, and a whole lot of these laws that he's trying to enforce, executive action to these laws are already on the books, man. Yeah, he didn't just sit down at his desk and write, you know, write this law and that law and this law and that law. These shits was already on, on you know, already laws, man. Existing should- law. They were and
7: closing
1: not, some loopholes,
7: and not just that, like they cry that he's overstepping his bounds with an executive order. Look at how many executive orders he's used as opposed to you know
1: other presidents
6: oh it's yeah, especially w
1: yeah,
7: especially w
1: i think uh uh Reagan was over three hundred ninety two and mm. president obama's thirty three this is the thirty third
2: it's It's a significant, mm. significant difference um, But it would not be a conversation About what occurred with the executive smackdown As I like to term it um, Without going over the executive actions That President Obama introduced So uh, Janet, would you like to go back and forth on these?
1: Sure, that'd be uh, great
2: Well, ladies first
1: All right um, he is requiring federal agencies to make relevant data available to the federal background check system and address unnecessary legal barriers, particularly relating to health insurance, portability, accountability that prevents states from making information available to the background check system.
2: Yep, that makes perfect sense, I think, that we can all agree with that. Uh, basically, he is just making sure that background checks can be done more efficiently than they're presently being being done. That Nowhere in that verbiage did it say that he was taking away anybody's gun. Uh, that was the first two. The third, improve incentives for states to share information with the background check system. So, as the Republicans often like to say, uh, the market will ultimately... Decide the fate of corporations and everything else So since they are so pro-capitalism What's wrong with incentivizing it? John Kendall See,
7: that's that's the thing too I got to thinking about this last night too Like, you know With this new um, Executive order Like you see I've seen several stories where, like, stores are going to go out of business because of this. But, honestly, it's stores going out of business doesn't have anything to do with the government. You've seen it when Obamacare was first passed with um, Papa John's. Like, he went through and cut, like, hours and employees and stuff because he was so afraid that it would affect his commercials with Peyton Manning. Whatever, but um, <laughs> Yeah, whatever. <laughs> but, like, you know, it's just, they, people tend to sit back and be like, well, you know, like, the free market, the free market, the free market. Well, then something like a sensible law gets passed, and they're like, ugh, government overstep. You know, it's, you know, you can't win.
2: Nope. As the old adage goes, you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. <laughs> Uh, so Janet, number four
1: He wants to direct the Attorney General To review categories of individuals Prohibited from having guns To make sure dangerous people Are not slipping through the cracks Duh Yeah. Proposed rulemaking to give a few law enforcement Agencies the ability to run A full background check on an individual Before returning A seized gun That only makes sense
2: Yeah these are absolutely common
6: sense sense, man all these laws just straight up common sense if you you know if you're selling weapons to you know dangerous weapons to people
2: yeah absolutely and number six publish a letter from atf to federally licensed gun dealers providing guidance on how to run background checks for private sellers i'm pretty sure that giving a letter to private sellers is not taking your guns away. Number seven, launch a national safe and responsible gun ownership campaign. Nothing wrong with education. I mean, hey, everybody loves education, right?
7: Yeah, well, I mean, you know, with my rifle, you know, I love my gun. But, you know, I was taught the correct way to use it. Um, Hunter safety was a great benefit to what I, you know, what I... Already knew that, hey, guns were dangerous, you know it's not mm-hmm. it's not going up and like poking someone. It's
1: a lot worse than that,
2: yeah absolutely uh Janet eight and nine
1: review safety standards for gun locks and gun safes that makes sense, and I think that's where they're talking about the uh thumbprint, you know, in order to have it work issue a presidential memorandum to require federal law enforcement to trace guns recovered in criminal investigations and a lot of these i thought that they were already doing this is how stupid i was
2: yeah i mean you would think that that would be common sense if a gun is used in a crime why would you not trace it why wouldn't you do it just throwing the question out there i mean it, it doesn't make any sense to me not to no you know? Uh, so we have number 10 and 11. Uh, release a DOJ report analyzing information on lost and stolen guns and make it widely available to law enforcement. Also makes perfect sense. 11. Mm-hmm. Nominate an ATF director. Nothing wrong with having a director.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't mean to laugh at it.
2: It's just.
1: Oh, God.
2: But, you know, the GOP is saying that all these actions are taking away our guns, so uh, I figured we'd go through them line-on-line and make sure that they weren't right. Uh, Janet, 12 and 13.
1: I I stuck ATF director. I can't even get over that one. All right. Provide law enforcement, first responders, and school officials with proper training for active shooter situations. And having been a retired teacher, I have been in training. The school did it. Um, but those things are scary, even just training things. But, yes, we need to know how to handle that, or they do. Mm-hmm. Maximize enforcement efforts to prevent gun violence and persecute prosecute gun crime.
2: There you go. And let's see here. Number 14 and 15. Issue a presidential memorandum directing the Centers for Disease Control to research the causes and prevention of gun violence. Now, I know that facts are something that the right are allergic to, but unfortunately, it's time we figured them out. Uh, Number 15, direct the attorney general to issue a report on the availability and most effective use of new gun safety technologies and challenge the private sector to develop innovative technologies. Uh, This isn't really all that far off from what we've done to solve a lot of our problems. Uh, You can look on grand scales like NASA, where we had a president give out the challenge to get us to the moon. It worked. Uh, this certainly is no flight to the moon. There is no reason that we can't stand up as a society and come up with safety, with better gun safety technology to prevent <clears throat> accidental shootings.
6: And mm-hmm. like here, like here in Tennessee, and especially here in Nashville. See, uh, we have a law called "Cooks with, Grun- uh, uh, with Guns" law,
0: mm-hmm.
6: and, you, and, you, and you know, like if if you're a convicted felon. And you get caught with a gun. That's an automatic five years. Mm. Mm. But you can get out from that five years and, and go to the gun show down here at the fairgrounds and buy your gun. Right.
2: Uh, Not surprising. Uh, Janet, 16 and 17, please.
1: And again, the GOP, with along with the NRA, <laughs> is getting between the doctors and their patients by saying... Clarify the Affordable Care Act so that it does not prohibit doctors talking to asking their patients about guns in their homes. Mm-hmm. Like doctors, if they know somebody's mentally unstable, you know, and but they're not allowed to ask. Release a letter to health care providers clarifying that no federal law prohibits them from reporting threats of violence to law enforcement authorities. Hello. Imagine that.
2: (laughs) Hello. Yep. Okay, let's see here. 18 and 19. 18, provide incentives for schools to hire school resource officers. It's sad that they have to exist, but anything that we can do to help out schools, I say all the better. Uh, Number 19, develop model emergency response plans for schools, houses of worship, and institutes of higher education. So this is expanding not only the incentives and funding available to states to fund educators learning how to response in these situations but it's also going to allow for there to be plans in place for uh schools for other members of the staff uh in churches which after the slew of mass shootings we've seen is something that needs to be done and institutes of higher education um colleges uh universities places where you know we've seen a lot of tragedy uh virginia tech uh, places of that sort
1: yeah now in texas uh students are going to be allowed to come in with guns in a classroom i can't imagine that i I, i'm thinking back to teaching high school and having students getting angry and like they're going to come at you Mm -hmm. what are you going to do with some idiot that has a gun I don't like the grade you gave me. Boom. Yep. And See, like Robert says, you'd think gun... Rob Poole, you'd think gun lovers would be all for improved gun safety. Only in America, I repeat, only in America are toddlers shooting their parents. A thing. Yep. But, <gasps> and Trump 360 says, I wouldn't say only in America, but that just makes it worse that America has it in common with developing countries. Yeah. yeah. What were you going to
6: say? America. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah.
7: Coming to, to <laughs> save the motherfucking day in America Okay, okay. Anyway
11: okay.
2: Yes, a John. Point,
7: my sorry, um a point that I I kinda wanna bring up is the whole rhetoric of, you know, the right coming in saying, Oh yeah and, you know, like libertarians too, honestly, like come in and bring in Muddy up the point with, oh, you know, like taking your guns away, taking your guns away. I think that's a dishonest position. Mm -hmm. It's, it basically, it's what it's doing is it's driving people farther apart when, you know, here comes my, you know, naivete, but like that language it divides when it should, like, it shouldn't be used at all. Like, it just, like, I don't know. It's just,
6: but uh, yeah, it's
7: disingenuous.
6: You know, I noticed, you know, they not saying, you know, it was one president that was really taking people guns away, and that was that was W. And when Katrina happened, he sent the mercenaries Blackwater down there to take guns from people who's protecting their property. Yep, he does. That's the only president. <laughs> They took people guns, and they saying Obama's doing it.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, they not saying nothing did, about that shit. Well, Reagan made a few changes to stop people from having them. Well, a certain segment. Yeah,
6: a certain, a certain. Yeah, the the Panthers. Yeah, because so did, it, it was lawful for them to carry shotguns around, and it scared a whole lot of white people.
1: Oh yeah, it H-W- did. It scared a whole lot of white people. Uh, oh, and George like King Hammett Singer. says, it's supposed to divide us, and that's why it's used. Yeah, pretty much. And what yeah. were you saying, John? H.W., you know,
7: besides his whole war boner competition with <laughs> W., he, he did sign the gun-free zone law. And people, they they don't check their facts with that because it was introduced by Joe Biden in 1990 and it was one of HW's you know final acts that he signed before he was replaced with Clinton mm-hmm. um it was introduced by Biden who is a democrat but the thing is people always bring up you know democrats coming in want to take your guns take your guns and um <laughs> like what they don't realize is HW was elected Republican so he's uh people aren't they're too short-sighted when it comes to these historical things
2: they are absolutely all right I'm gonna go over the last four here really really quick um I will give you all last word because we have to run to break Uh, Number 20, release a letter to state health officials clarifying the scope of mental health services that Medicaid plans must cover, so making sure that states don't take any shortcuts. 21, finalize regulations clarifying essential health benefits and party and parity requirements within ACA exchanges, once again, making sure that that states aren't shortchanging people. Number 22, commit to finalizing mental health party regulations. No problem there. And last but not least, number 23, launch a national dialogue led by Secretaries Sibelius and Duncan on mental health, which is something that we desperately need in this country. So, Janet, I turn to you first.
1: I just agree with all of it. Yeah. I mean, I just do. I don't see a problem with any of it.
2: Uh, Move on to Joey. Uh, well, I say, it, you know,
6: like I said before, ain't number common sense, bro. It's yeah. all it is, common sense. Absolutely.
2: And last but not least, Mister John Kendall.
7: Yeah, you know, it's it's all common sense. I mean, you know, keep guns in the hands of people that know how to use them, and keep guns out of the hands of crazy people.
2: Absolutely. Alright, so we're going to go ahead and run to a short break. When we return, we will start Don't Know Shit from Applesauce, including our most controversial story ever. So don't change that dial. We'll be back with you on Southern Progressive Revival.
3: You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival.
10: One of the issues I don't think we hear enough about and really can't hear enough about is preparing our students, and our people, particularly those who have lost jobs, for the jobs of the future. We need to make sure that our education systems are in place.
3: Southern Progressive Revival at Indie
2: Media Weekly Radio. Indy Media Weekly Radio is proud to bring you the Thomas Jefferson Hour.
3: Everybody, Kim Williams here, proprietor of IndyMediaWeekly.com and Indy Media Weekly Radio. We invite you to check out Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice, a Facebook community that many of us are a part of here at Indy Media Weekly, Many of our contributors and listeners are as well. So if you're a fan of Facebook, you should check out Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice and join us. We are Ready to Fight, and we hope you are too. And we hope to see you there. Just search for Ready to Fight for Liberals and Justice anytime you're on Facebook.
2: Light out.
4: Come, come walk with me, Michael S. Sharpaw, through the broken doorway, where you will
13: discover the freshest in pop, rock, psychedelic, ambient, and experimental musics, 11 a.m. Saturdays and Wednesdays, and only on
0: IndieMediaWeekly.com.
1: Declare your independence and reject corporate media. This is Indie Media Weekly, your number one source for independent media.
3: You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival.
10: Too busy giving tax handouts to large corporations, the Republicans haven't been working for the middle class. And as a result, many families are still struggling to make ends meet.
3: Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio.
2: All right, everybody, welcome back to Southern Progressive Revival. I would like to go ahead and welcome back my wonderful co-hosts, beginning with Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome back, sir.
6: Hello, everyone. Hello, chat room.
2: Yes, and hello, you. hello, hello. All right, and of course, joining us as always, our very own Ms. Producer, Ms. Janet Lee from Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri. Welcome
1: back, Janet. Hi, everybody.
2: Howdy ho. And last but not least, the newest member of our team, our junior co-host and senior correspondent on the Waka Waka, Mr. John Kendall from Missoula, (laughs) Montana.
10: Yep. Waka Waka. Waka waka.
2: (laughs) All right. So are you all ready for a little bit of (laughs) drama in your lives? (laughs) Yeah.
6: Yeah? Yes, sir. love
2: I know, it's fun. It's good stuff. All right, so let's go ahead and start Don't Know Shit From Applesauce.
4: <laughs> All I ask from you is a very simple answer to a very simple
9: question.
0: Are you crazy? Or just plain stupid? But
7: I will ask that everyone please behave.
9: He's a lunatic, I'm telling you. Can I help
2: you with that?
1: Y'all don't know shit from applesauce.
2: All right, welcome to Don't Know Shit from Applesauce, the part of the show where we talk about the folks that don't know shit from applesauce. Uh, So the audio that we are about to play is from a philosopher professor at the University of North Dakota. No comments, John. And he looked at the issue of open carry from a philosophical perspective. We had to cut this audio into two parts because of its length, but I wanted to put it out there. Before we start playing. I would like to encourage everybody in the chat room to put in their opinions. Uh, Bear in mind that this is his response from a philosophical perspective. This is not a proposed law. This is just how he feels things should be done. So we are going to go ahead and start with the first part of the audio, and I will start with Mr. John Kendall, since uh, he is new, for one, and uh, is very well versed in guns, like our very own Mr. Joey
8: Word. So let's go ahead and start that now. I really wanted to talk as a philosopher about the gun rights debate. But most specifically, I wanted to talk about open-carry activists. Because for me, it's problematic. But I didn't just want to be a voice in the gun debate. I wanted to be a philosopher asking how to solve an intractable problem. What's the problem? There are gun-carry activists, particularly in Texas, who want to go places like Target and restaurant and carry loaded guns, often high-powered automatic weapons. And then there are people who are scared of it and don't want to eat in a restaurant with people who are fully armed. Both of those positions may be understandable. So how, as a philosopher, do I deal with that? The answer I came up with respected both people's rights. The people in the restaurant who are uncomfortable just leave. But they're supposed to leave because they're afraid. And that leads to another philosophical problem. If you're afraid for your life, do you pay the tab? And my answer was no. My answer was, if you're afraid for your life, you just get up and leave. Maybe the restaurant pays the bill themselves. Maybe the activists pay the bill. But in reality, if you're genuinely concerned that someone is going to shoot you, your spouse, and your kids, it makes no sense to pay the bill. I don't want to say that people freaked out (laughs) because most of the people who commented on the blog supported it. And in fact, lots of people felt that this idea was a rational, safe, calm idea that respected everyone's rights.
2: All right. So before I turn the mic over to John, uh, I do want to go ahead and give you a spoiler. There were a few people that did freak out. Uh, so prepare yourself for that in the next clip of audio. Uh, but John, uh, what are you saying? which um, I can't say that I entirely disagree with, is that if you feel uncomfortable and you're afraid for your life, that you should just leave and you shouldn't pay the tab because that, you know, would be anyone's logical response to fear. What what do you have to say about that?
7: Um, I, th- I think the whole, like, sca- the way he says scared, I know it's, to me, it's more of an uncomfortable feeling like, you know, I've been raised around guns, you know, but still, you know, you can never tell what the person next to you who open carries is thinking, you know, like I said, to me, it's more of an uncomfortable feeling. Now, what we have here is, um, what businesses can do if businesses say hey you know it we are a private business we understand your feelings of needing to have a pistol and you know we're totally okay with that but we can't have you making our consumers uncomfortable it is in every part of the law, that a private business can restrict what you bring into their place. I mean, it's it's simple logic at that. Now, to the point of getting up and paying, um, you know, that's... It's theft. I mean, which is against the law. I mean, there would be a simpler way of Calling a waitress over, paying your bill, and you know exiting the premises, but you know it's it's a touch it's a touchy issue, you know, like mm. um open carry you know in some states is fully legal, but theft in all fifty states is against the law, mm. so I mean you know, like I said, you know. It's, it's an okay reaction to be uncomfortable around guns as a gun owner. I am, I am uncomfortable around them because like I said, you can never tell what the person next to you is thinking, Hmm. you know, did they have a bad day at work? Are they, you know, schizophrenic with a gun? Hmm. So, you know, it's, it's, it's a tough issue, but you know, it's. You know, it's it's private businesses business to do what they think is best for them.
2: Okay. well, I know that Janet had a little bit of a different take on this. Um, Would you like to uh, state your opinion? And uh, afterward, if there is any comments from the chat room, I would love to hear them.
1: I think you ought to do what he says. And um, I've already seen one comment from Chad and I understand what Jonathan or John, we got too many J's around here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it, because if you're truly afraid, now he didn't say, he said scared. If you're scared, are you going to stand around and try to get your bill paid? No, you're going to leave. But if you have somebody coming in and you think that they're just trying to be too cool for school, Uh, and they've got the gun out, I could see slipping money underneath your food and leaving. I would leave my food uneaten and just leave. Then I probably wouldn't come back to the place, because they are allowing people with guns in their establishment. And so, like Missouri now has practically no laws anymore, although I don't see people out and about with it. Um, with their guns, but I would leave. Or if I see people walking in with guns, I wouldn't come in. I wouldn't go in. I I don't see a problem with that. If they're going to go in and they're going to scare the customers out, then those people coming in with guns need to pay the tab, or the business.
2: All right, and uh, you said that we already had see. one. Uh, yeah, Joey, go. Now. Joey, go ahead, and then we'll move on to the chat room well,
6: comments. <clears throat> Uh, you know, I, I kind of agree, I kind of disagree, but I, I'd rather pay and leave and never come back. But me personally, if I own the restaurant, and you can't nobody come in there and open carry? Because I tell them straight up, no, this is not a fucking saloon in, in in the Old West. This is a restaurant where people come to eat, you know, with their families and everything. Mm-hmm. You ain't going to come up here. In- yeah, and and uh, 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 scare scare my customers like this, you know. I got a living, you know. Well, what if you what if you get robbed? Well, that's why I got insurance. That's why I got insurance. That's what the cops are for. You know.
2: Yep. Exactly.
6: Crazy, but you know, I you yeah. know me personally, I will pay. You know, I see you know that motherfucker's coming up there trying to intimidate me with his AR fifteen on his back. Oh well, you know, if I'm with my family or something, or girlfriend, or somebody, you know, uh, hey, I'm gonna go and pay this, and I'm out of here. I ain't Mm -hmm. never coming back. And then I'm going to call, I'm going to call the place and say, I'll never come back. And and I'm going to tell everybody else not to come back Mm -hmm. because you got, you know, lunatics coming in there with with open guns, you know, open to carry guns, you know, and I'm a gun owner.
2: Yeah. And I I think that speaks to what John Kendall began with. and, And Janet alluded to it as well. You know, private businesses ultimately do have the final say on whether they allow people to open carry in their establishments um, Although
1: so... insurance companies may end up having the final say, because if they have to pay a few claims from some of these people getting, you know, all uh, deadwood on them, mm-hmm. <laughs> 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 they're going to put a stop to it pretty quick.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, all right, and uh, uh, what are we what are we hearing from the chat room?
1: All right, um, Hammetts. I'll read one, and then you read one. How's that, John? Okay. Pamit, I think he's using flawed logic to sucker people into thinking it's reasonable to break the law. I feel a big backlash from the right about how crybaby libs are wanting another handout. John?
7: Um, Trump 360 xx says, I don't think it's logical to say it's reasonable to break the law, even if it is unjust. I think that there are exceptions to law where certain trends get transgressions can be overlooked and you can see from precedent that reasonable courtrooms or law enforcement officers will overlook them given the circumstances
1: Mm -hmm. Hmm. Snork says need to place your gun on the counter which that I could kind of see too to be stored while you're eating the person that stores a gun must lick the gun especially with the side of the tongue that has horse (laughs) or (laughs) piece Now, that might not be reasonable Snork. <laughs>
2: but I like your way of thinking, sir.
6: <laughs> Snork comes with some shit, don't it, boy? Yes, it is. <laughs> he comes with boy. He makes me laugh all the time, oh. man. What it, is he saying, man? Yep. <laughs>
1: right, John, you're going to get Trump's next Trump one?
7: Yeah. Um, Anyone remember when those wing nuts walked into a Taco Bell in the South with AR-15s, supposedly protesting gun control.
1: And Snork says, charge a $5,000 extra insurance fee to bill for people that open carry that are not police. Uh,
7: and then Trump says, hell, I don't want police with guns in this small-pack space either. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah with their history I uh, would have to say that I completely agree with that oh yeah Mm -hmm.
1: yeah I mean so and I understand it is breaking the law to just walk out if they come in with their open carry crap Mm -hmm. but um, and Pam makes a good point too I recall old westerns even having rules of checking your weapons at the saloon Mm
2: -hmm. yeah And I think that that would be completely reasonable. And that would probably, you know, make people feel more comfortable. And if there was a rule that you had to check your weapons when you went into the establishment and somebody refused to and flagrantly walked into the restaurant, uh, then I think the customers at that point would have a reasonable reason to be afraid or at the very least suspicious. So, you know, Uh, but let's go ahead
1: and run out, you mean?
2: Yeah, yeah, exactly. Without paying. Yes, absolutely. Um, So let's go ahead and get to this uh, second part of the audio. So let's run that real
8: quick. But there were a group of gun activists who felt that this was theft, that this was taking advantage of the situation, and then ultimately that this was some form of discrimination and intolerance, that people didn't like gun owners, and so they wanted to leave. How would it be if I didn't like an African-American, or I didn't like a tall person, or I didn't like an immigrant? Would it be okay to leave them? And the answer I came up with in a different post was that it is completely different. First of all, it's not thievery. If you are leaving the restaurant because you don't want to pay the bill, then you're a thief. I'm a philosopher. I'm not talking about you. On the theoretical level, I'm concerned about your intentions. I'm concerned about what's going on in your head. If you leave because you're afraid, that's moral. If you leave because you don't want to pay the bill, that's not moral. If, however, you want to compare it to the history of discrimination, then that's not quite right. First of all, under the Constitution, we have protected groups. And traditionally marginalized people, women in this country, African-American in this country, um, gays and lesbians in this country, if you leave because they're there and they're no threat to you, then that's a problem. Gun owners are not protected group. The right to carry weapons maybe depending on where you are. The right to bear arms certainly is. But of course, the right to bear arms doesn't mean the right to bear every arm. It doesn't mean the right to bear all the arms. It only means the rights to bear arms. So, is it discrimination? I don't think so. Because gun rights activists do not have a history of institutional discrimination. They do not have a history of being denied the right to marry, being denied the right to go to school, being denied the right to vote. They haven't been slaves. They weren't subject to the Holocaust. They haven't been beaten in the streets. In fact, if you look at the history of of guns in America, certainly in the last 15, 20 years, Rights have expanded, not contracted. And so in the end, leaving because they make you uncomfortable and leaving because they're dangerous, or I should say they may be dangerous, is a rational response. And as a philosopher, that is what I am the most concerned with.
2: Okay, so uh, there you have the initial response from open carry people that disagreed with what he stated, whether you fall on the side of thinking that it's theft or not. Um, the initial response was that they felt that it was discrimination. He feels that it's not, that they can't not be discriminated against because they are not a protected group. And I have to say, as far as I am concerned, that I think that he's right. There is not a history of, of them being treated that way. I, I think that he put that very eloquently, Joy.
6: Yeah, he did, yeah i agree with him 110 percent, bro <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah man and he made a great point that was that well was, that was well put together too man
0: because mm-hmm.
6: you know at first i didn't think of it like that and now i'm thinking about oh well damn you know yeah he's right
2: mm-hmm. yeah it, it's interesting to look at it that way and uh I uh, next we will move on to Janet and then John, and if anybody else in the chat room has said anything in response to the
1: second half, we will get to that. Um, just that uh, <laughs> that I I totally agree with him. Um, this is a guy from North Dakota too, by the way, University of North Dakota. and I love his last line let him eat in the restaurant alone while the owners struggle to justify protecting him it's not up to the rest of us to play by their rules I love it you know I Mm -hmm. I just I so agree with this Mm
2: -hmm. and Mr. Kendall
7: first of all boo that he's from North Dakota (laughs) (laughs) um Secondly, you know, I I see the point in his in the last sentence there. I mean, you know, people are going to be different, you know, but I don't know. It's I'm, now I'm thinking. Damn. All right. Yeah, I I I can kind of see that, but I still think that I mean, you know, theft is still punishable 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 (laughs) don't judge me by like a small fine like Hmm. hey you know we know you felt uncomfortable you know five bucks okay is that is that wrong or i
2: i i could see that that wouldn't be terrible i mean particularly since you know in in general you would probably be spending considerably more than five dollars on whatever meal you just had Uh... Yeah,
7: and that way, I mean, you know, if the money goes back to the restaurant, they wouldn't be out much, Mm. but, you know, like, I don't know, open, like I said, I think for me it goes (laughs) back to trying to find out, or trying to figure out if the person that's eating, you know, two tables over with a gun is nuts. Mm -hmm. Right.
1: When Snork mm-hmm. says, give the open carry people a special discount menu where the only items available are shit on a stick and horse lemonade. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Snork. <laughs> With hor- horse herpes, <laughs> Trump 360 says. <laughs> ah, yes. <laughs>
2: them's good villains. let me tell you oh gosh.
1: oh lord oh man our guest is coming up next
2: yes our guest is coming up next um and since we only have one minute to break we only got to i i told you janet I, i told you that would take a while so uh yeah just interesting side note we meet every week to develop the show for you guys and to go over all the audio she sucked this in there, along with several other stories. And as soon as I saw it, I said, this is going to cause the most discussion of any story that we've ever talked about, which is why I overused the drama, the drama <laughs> sting. And uh, I was right. So there we go. Yay, one for
1: yeah. me. Oh, and Pam said this could be like the um, the new non-smoking, smoking sections. Like, it could be a carry or a non-carry section. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> will you be dining armed or unarmed this evening? <laughs> uh, will, you, will you need
7: a flak jacket with your meal today?
1: <laughs> oh, I like that one. Good one. Oh, yeah. I do too.
2: That would be beautiful.
6: <laughs> oh, we, got a disc- we got a discount on 9mm bullets.
7: <laughs> if you If you order a hun- If you buy a hundred dollar gift card You'll get A small box of nine millimeters
2: <laughs> <laughs> Just lump it all together mm-hmm. Make this all a beautiful Beautiful combined industry If all
7: right. <laughs> you do A hundred and twenty five dollars You get a bouquet of nine millimeter bullets
2: Oh a bouquet Wow. How beautiful.
1: Like bullet of the month club.
2: Oh, uh -oh. Oh I like
1: it. Oh, and I just got a message from sister Joe. She's not here tonight because she has a migraine.
2: Oh no. Well, if she listens to, if you listen to our podcast, sister Joe, I hope that your migraine went away quickly and we love you and we miss you. And we hope to see you back here next week. All right. So we are going to go ahead and head to break and get on our very special first Southern hospitality guest of the year. Mr. Joe Lee. (laughs) the liberal redneck uh so we're going to go ahead and play a song oh i'm sorry not a song on this break we're going to play the liberal redneck episode number 74 so that all of you can get introduced to him so uh on the way out we will of course be playing our bumper meant specifically for this half hour and that janet loves more than life itself so we will be right back here with you on southern progressive revival
3: you're listening to Southern Progressive Revival.
12: If somewhere within the Bible I were to find a passage that said two plus two equals five, I wouldn't question what I'm reading in the Bible. I would believe it, accept it as true, and then do my best to work it out and to understand
10: it. That just makes no fucking sense. I mean, it's just bullshit. Fuck. Oh, my, my, oh my.
3: Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio.
4: L.R., the liberal redneck here, coming to you from a world with a history of men treating women like property instead of the equal but different human beings that they are. And I think I understand why. It came to me in a story I was doing for my radio show about the slavery and the Civil War. This mistreatment of women has been going on since the days of Neanderthal, and I never understood why. But the head of the history department at West Point indirectly pointed out the why when describing that throughout the Old South, even whites who owned no slaves were big supporters of the institution. The reason, as long as there were slaves, then poor whites would not be at the bottom of the social ladder. And that is why men have traditionally been so fierce in their subjugation of women so that they can have someone beneath them on the social ladder. Amen. Ladies, haven't you had enough of this shit? They fought like hell. To keep you from voting, owning property, getting an education, holding political office, preaching the gospel, equal pay for equal work. And they even want you to prevent you from making a decision, a medical decision about your own body. Don't you think it's time you did something about it? You outnumber the men. You have the power to force changes. Do not vote for any politician that does not support you in every way possible. And change will happen. You can reach me at the liberal redneck at com, and you can talk to me every Thursday at noon Central Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com.
2: All right, everybody. So uh, we had our call come in a little bit preemptively, but Mr. Joe Lee, are you there, sir? I am, sir,
13: and thank you for having me on the show.
2: Ah, thank you so much for being here. Uh, my name is Jonathan Matthews. I am the host of Southern Progressive Revival, and I believe that you know our phenomenal news Producer, Ms. Janet Lee. Hi, Joe. I
13: have. Uh, we've discussed uh, each other well over Facebook. We haven't physically met, but I feel like we're kindred souls.
1: Yes, we are. We are. <laughs> and Pamet sends hi.
13: She's in chat. Yes, that's uh, You know that Tam and Tamant is uh, P.D., the pagan goddess, on my show.
1: Very cool. Very cool. All right. All right.
2: Well, Mr. Lee, also joining us here on the program, are Mr. Joey Word from Nashville, Tennessee, and uh, Mr. John Kendall from Missoula, Montana, our lone Yankee perspective for Southern Progressive Revival.
6: <laughs> Hello. How are you today? I'm fine, sir, and
7: yourself.
13: I'm doing pretty
6: good. Pretty good.
7: And I'm. John. I was
13: enjoying your discussion earlier. Uh, I think you guys are touching on some topics that need to be addressed, and uh, hopefully, other Southern progressives will get the message and act accordingly.
2: Yes. <laughs> Thank you, sir. <laughs> Thank you so much, John. I are believe you ready he- for. Are yeah, you go ready for, it, John. for Some
7: hard hitting
1: questions. <laughs> <laughs> can, can we at least get all the highs out of the way first? <laughs> <laughs> hey,
2: hey. <laughs> yep. Well, you know, we we can't expect uh, Yankees to have any candor, can we, sir? But I want to thank you very much for agreeing to be on the show. Uh, as somebody who is in the same business that we are, it truly is an honor and privilege. So, thank you so much again, Mister Lee.
13: Well, thank you very much for having me. I enjoy it. I'm glad to see that there's more of us around. I think that uh, Southern Progressive Revival is a wonderful program, and I'm hoping, again, that it will link up more and more Southern progressives who I feel like uh, have been more or less sitting in the closet for a while because, let's face it, the South was extremely democratic, uh, until uh, that rascal Linden uh, signed the Civil Rights Act. And uh, they immediately went uh, Republican at that point, because, let's face it, uh, racism is still fully alive and well in the South. Now, I don't think it's as bad as it has been in the past, but that doesn't mean it's good.
0: Right.
13: And it's something thats it, I don't know how many generations it's going to take to get past. But I think we do have a group of of Southern people who realize that it's something that it's desperately in need of getting passed.
2: Absolutely. I don't think that I could put it any better myself. And, you know, that's something that we've tried to bring to light here on the show. I know that it's something that you try to bring to light through the liberal redneck. Um, You know, we really have had a, a complete turnaround after the Civil Rights Act was enacted and uh slowly but surely we're making gains we're coming out of the woodwork we are seeing some phenomenal things i know down there in texas uh she recently left office but you had a phenomenal uh woman as the mayor of houston who not only was a proudly out lesbian but was also a true progressive and only the second woman to serve as uh, mayor of that city
13: Jason was very proud of her, too. She did a wonderful job, and I'm glad to see. Houston, of course, is a very metropolitan city, Uh, being a port. uh, There are people from all over the world there, and uh, uh, they are perhaps a little more progressive than others. You know, Dallas is uh, quite a bit more conservative. So it's not the whole state that's, that's done a conversion, but I, I think it's starting to uh, rear its head. Now, when I lived in Texas, I lived in the most Republican district in the United States of America, according to the Cook's Partisan Index. Eighty-five percent of the people in the 30th uh, senatorial district of Texas where I lived were white Baptists. So that left 15% of us that weren't, Mm. And it was pretty much a hell to live in because you could not go into a business that was a public business that had a TV that didn't have Fox News running on the TV at all times. That's
1: the way it is up here
13: now. You know, that just drives you crazy. But uh, we're starting to uh, gain awareness and knowledge. And what I keep up talking about on our show is that Democrats outnumber Republicans, but we've got to get past that apathy thing, that reluctance to vote. I don't know why that is. I, I think I voted in every election I could have since I was eligible just because I felt like, you know, how how else can I bitch about things if I don't vote?
1: Exactly. Are you do you have trouble down there now, like here they've gotten so they don't advertise the voting places they've moved places around um, it took me,
13: where is here Janet
1: oh I'm sorry south central uh, Missouri right real close to Springfield Arkansas okay
13: Boulder. sure yeah, I, I spent many summers up at uh, Lake of the Ozarks, so I'm familiar with your area
1: and they've moved they move uh, places to vote or Like when I went to get my uh, voter ID because I had gotten a divorce, taken my name back, it cost me a couple hundred dollars or more and three or four days of running from one place to another, getting notary notarized and all this kind of stuff, which I feel is discrimination against women.
13: Well, it's discrimination against poor people, too. You were fortunate that you were able to make all those trips. And uh, in, in, uh, you know, I live in Milwaukee, Wisconsin now, but I've just recently moved here. And uh, when I lived in Texas, in, in my hometown of Wichita Falls, which is in North Texas, there was one driver's license bureau where you could go. It was out in the sticks. There was no bus service, and if you go out there, if, when when my wife went to renew her license plate, her driver's license. Uh, It took us three trips, because each time I ask, what information do we have to have? And they told me, and there would always be something else. Well, you know, we were able to make those three trips. We had a car, but a whole lot of people don't, and they don't have public uh, transportation out there, and they don't keep uh, late hours for people that work. So there's a lot of discouragement uh, uh, of getting people... Right, the driver's license, the ability to get around, and and register to vote, and all of that—it all—it all all ties together. It's a uh, something that we've had to battle for a long time, and I hope that we're slowly making progress against it, uh, making people aware of it. I hope that's the case.
1: Oh, I do too. Oh my gosh, do you really think that Texas is turning blue? I mean, because we keep hearing that. I think that that Texas
13: does have a very possible chance of turning blue. Uh, I know when I was. uh, My first introduction to politics in Texas, I was five years old, and I campaigned for Ralph Yarborough for governor of Texas in 1955 in East Texas. And there were caravans that uh, we went from little town to little town and when we would get there, they'd set up a, a trailer with some fog lights and, and a PA system and Ralph would start doing his speech and all us kids were running around slapping flyers on windows of the cars around there. So it, it was in those days prior to Lyndon signing the Civil Rights Act. It was a very democratic state. Uh, I mean, uh, FDR was just hugely popular. So I think the vestiges of it are there. I think people like Rick Perry and Greg Abbott, the current governor, are giving people reason to shy away from conservatism, from the idiotic things that they're doing.
10: Wow.
2: Yeah, particularly calling now for a new constitutional convention to bring more power back to the states.
13: Right, he wants to give states the power to uh, pick and choose which federal law they want to follow, uh, and that's just absolutely nuts and total violation of the Constitution to begin with.
1: Yeah, Definitely. And we have Nova Moonlight that says uh, in chat that says, I know living in Georgia, it's impossible to get to the one DMV. Um, So, and Pamet says they changed what was needed every time her daughter needed her license. So, and little Stevie Wonder says 30 to 35% of eligible voters exercise the right down here. We just shoot people who disagree with. (laughs)
13: <laughs> little stevie wonder is also on my show he's, <laughs> he's a he's a regular contributor along with pamit and and scotty who who is our professor from uh, mobile alabama
1: that is awesome
13: <laughs> yeah, Pamet is from uh, lexington north carolina and steve is, is still in texas he's in garland uh, so uh, we have a uh, section of people on our show from across the the uh, exactly. country and I think he gives us a nice uh, perspective on things. Uh, we try to be as fair as we can about things, but if we think something is wrong, we don't hesitate to point it out.
1: Right. That's the only way you can do it, you know. And I I don't mean to be hogging there, but <laughs> on your ballot, I want to ask though, too, and I'll try to kind of shut up. Um <laughs> On your ballot, do you just have mostly Republicans to choose from down there, or did you? I mean, up here, where I'm at, it's there's like two or three Democrats because the DNC is so bad. They don't have their 50-state plan, and there's some lady there, um, Debbie, I think. <laughs> it sucks. <laughs> so we have like maybe um, one Democrat to choose from. And the rest, everybody else on the ballot's Republican.
13: What are you talking about? A primary or something, or what? Well,
1: on the primary, there might be one um, Democrat to choose from, but even on the general, you don't have Democrats running for the different offices. You've just got Republican.
13: Well, in, in, in uh, uh, Texas, there's been a lot of situations where you have. Uh, uh, Republicans running unopposed, so like you say, there's there's no Democratic candidate against them, uh, and that's normally in in uh, local and county offices. It's not in a statewide. It's, it happens occasionally in statewide elections, but it's not uh, uh, that common. It's it's uh, usually uh, somebody is running against them, uh, and they're starting to show better and better each time. Um, and of course, uh, you know um, we can always hope that things are going to be changing further on down the line. That's our—that's the that's goal of our show, and I think yours too is to make uh, Southern liberals realize that there is a possibility of changing things if we'll do it.
1: Well, and also that we're not alone. You know, it's exactly you. You know, I got to feeling like I was the only one. And um, I'm getting tired of having my car keyed because I've got uh, stickers and stuff all over it. And you just start thinking, you know, what is wrong with me? So, I mean, this is nice to have a community where you can say, you're not crazy. (laughs) (laughs) We
13: feel the same way you do.
1: (laughs) And I feel bad. John, you had a question and here I am just hogging him
7: um i i totally forgot because i'm still flustered by the dingus that's playing his music so loud i can't even concentrate oh (laughs) so so you can carry on until i retrain or regain my train of thought
1: i see Okay. well i was going to ask about per uh, illegal immigration because they make such a big deal of it down there in Texas where we need to have this big beautiful wall with the golden gates a <laughs> <Right. laughs> big T <tea> on it Do <laughs> <laughs> you see it as that I mean it's my understanding there's more people leaving the country more Mexicans going home
13: That's my understanding too, and I don't blame them. I mean, because uh, they want to uh, 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 pay them next to nothing. Uh, that's what you know the they uh, Texas businessmen are not against uh, illegal immigration they they're coming to work for their companies for five dollars an hour because they're very hard workers yeah and and they 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 and they are reliable and they uh because they are desperate but uh there's old stories that haunt uh, that whole situation as well. There was a governor of Texas who was also a farmer and rancher on the side, and it was his practice to, uh, when it was time to harvest the crops, he would uh, have... Illegal aliens, he knew they were, come to his place to harvest uh, whatever he was growing. And when it came time to pay them, he would call the INS to come pick them up and take them back to Mexico.
1: Oh, my God. What a bunch of dirt so, dogs.
13: It is. And it's a hard uh, hard thing to overcome in, 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 a, in history, a history of discrimination like that, that to to gain confidence, then you you, you have uh, people like the Castros in San Antonio uh, who are obviously Hispanic and and are bridging the gap between the ones that uh, were abused and the the ones that have done extremely well because there's been some very, very successful uh, Hispanic people in Texas.
1: Yeah, and... um I just, that's just so unbelievable. And, but part of it, what I'm, you know, I think this all boils down to a whole lot of these issues are what, uh, Hammett has said too, is that pretty soon white is not going to be the majority and white men are afraid because like your show said, we women are the majority. You know, we're 52% of the population, and yet we go along with all these skeeters taking away women's rights and their autonomy, and I mean, I don't get it, but obviously they're not getting out and voting, and um, I think the white men, the angry old white men, are afraid, and they are trying to keep that fist
13: you know, an iron fist. Well, I think you're say right. They, they've had the power for so long, they don't want to give it up. And they realize that there is a challenge to it. And they're trying to fight it every way they can. They've had it their, their way for way too long. And I, I don't understand why. Uh, I understand the fact that they have, but I really don't understand why we let them get away with it, those of us who don't agree with
1: that. Exactly. And... You know, and I also, too, I think it's white privilege that they don't recognize that they've had their entire life. Um, and even, I don't know, I it, with women, you know, at one point I felt like they were doing that to women to try to force white women to have more babies. Which, when it first kind of flitted through my mind, I thought, oh, that can't be the reason. But then it just keeps coming back, flips right back through again.
13: <laughs> well, yeah, you know, you've you got a very valid point because you were pointing out earlier that we, we uh, I'm white, and uh, it, it's going to be a minority if it's not already. And, I, and a, lot of story, a lot of reports that I've read said that white is already a minority in our country. Uh, so... <sighs> They're struggling to to keep the power without having the majority, and that's going to be difficult. So what do you do? You prevent the minority from voting, and that's what they work extremely hard at.
1: Yes. Joey, why don't you pop in
6: with something? Uh, I don't have anything to say. You're listening, huh? I'm just listening. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting, man. Well, I, I,
7: I have a question.
6: Okay. Um I may think of some here in a few.
1: <laughs> okay, John. Um
7: hi, I'm John from Montana. <laughs> um you know, political talk aside, um is there um any artist in the um past or present that you feel that has gotten the progressive message out there through their artwork? the best or um, anything like that whether it be um, visual art or music or um, anything else like performance art
13: I can't think of anyone off the top of my head Uh, and and that's just my ignorance I'm sure because uh, in a in a Say this largest Texas. I'm sure there are a lot of people out there that that uh, uh, do represent the progressive viewpoint from a artistic standpoint. I mean, we try to do it, of course, uh, on our show, as as do you. We try to uh, not only be entertaining, but we try to educate at the same time. And we concentrate on three primary areas when. when uh, when we're doing our show, we we have uh, myself and three other contributors, which I've told you about, and we all research stories in the areas of politics, religion, and guns, because we feel like these are the three areas that are most dominant in changing and influencing our society right now. And we, we try to present the, the facts of the situation that kind of tend to get covered up by mainstream media. Uh, there are exceptions, of course, but I'm talking about generally. Uh, media tends to shy away from anything other than a gigantic conflict, confrontation like they are with the, uh, the Brokeback Mountain Boys up in uh, Oregon.
1: <laughs> I guess they asked for a big old list of stuff, and one of our contributors, Caitlin, or the gal in chat, said uh, there were throw rugs they were asking for. <laughs> I'm, sorry. I'm
13: surprised they don't, because they don't ask for lullabies, and someone to come tuck them in.
1: How did they ask for that, Caitlin? <laughs> <laughs> Oh Oh my God! I just—I couldn't believe some of the stuff that they were asking for. I I mean, you mean you didn't think far enough ahead, Skeeter? Mm -hmm. (laughs) So, so so Mr. Okay,
7: sorry, Jonathan.
0: No, you're okay, man.
7: Something—a better question popped into my head. Go for it. Since since we brought up the oregon clan um (laughs) (laughs) i'm sorry it's not funny what what do you feel is the best way to get them to leave like if you were if you were like the governor of oregon what would you do to get them to skedaddle You know, I think
13: I would ignore them because I think that's what they're after is publicity. And as far as I can tell, they haven't caused any harm. Now, that may change as more information comes out about the story. But uh, I think igno- ignoring them and not acknowledging what they're doing would be so harsh that they would give up. And go home because, you know, it's let's face it, it's all the play of the media that's keeping them there.
2: Yep, I think that, that is there true. is. Yeah, there is a whole lot yeah, of just, truth to that. Just
6: like it's a lot of you know, just like Trump, they're keeping him in the news, you know. Everything what Trump does is Trump done this, Trump said this, Trump said that, you know. And, oh, my, and my man ain't in the news good enough, you know.
2: Yep, Joey yeah. is an ardent Bernie Sanders supporter. So, <laughs>
1: Adam Hebert says, cut the power, cut water, sewer. I don't know if I'd do the sewer part. Hmm. Um, offer him or surrender, freeze to death or surrender. But, uh, and I I think they need to, too. I think every time they get out of there, because they go to town, why are they not picking them up?
6: Yeah, Joe Lee is right. Just ignore them. Ignore them, you know.
2: Mm-hmm. They'll go away soon enough. Absolutely. Yeah, but they've no them to, attention.
1: Yeah, I don't know. Yeah,
2: they did. Grow, they did break into the database and access the social security numbers of the um, employees there. So they have at least committed uh, that crime at this.
13: Well, future. that sounds like an arrestable offense to right? me. Right.
2: Yep,
1: that's sedition at the very least. And mm-hmm. why can't they pick them up when they go to town? One of our chatters, our our faithful chatters, Caitlin says, "I'm with your guests, though. Ignore them and and ignore Trump too." Mm-hmm. <laughs> I agree with that too.
2: <laughs> All right. Well, Mr. And she Lee, says,
1: "Cut off their internet." <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> one of one of your
13: guys. Yeah. Right. Right. Trump if they did, can't use their new iPhone, the sick suit
1: that, that they would have to leave well, he <laughs> totally says without porn they're not gonna last a week <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
2: very lonely men <laughs> All right. yeah. so yeah, that's, miss that's a joke going on up
6: there man that's a straight-up joke
2: it is oh gosh oh Mr. Lee uh we do have to run to a quick break real quick do you mind hanging on with us uh, for the rest of the show?
13: you bet. Go right ahead.
2: Well, thank you so much. Well, we're going to go ahead and head to a very short break. I'll just play a song on this that uh, hopefully Mr. Lee will appreciate. And we will be right back here on Southern Progressive Revival.
3: You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival.
1: We're the people you see every day in the grocery stores. We obey the laws. We pay our taxes. We fly our flags on holidays. And we plod along trying to make it better for ourselves and our children.
3: Southern Progressive Revival at Indie Media Weekly Radio.
11: Yeah. Macaroni. D.O.P. Fool, my mama's a woman. So you know what side I'm on. In the war, on You think she can't make her own choice? Can't use her own voice. It's time we treat every woman like a Rolls Royce. This is the revolutionary woman throwback. Any blowback can get the Bozak. Where the hoes at? What you mean the hoes at? Put that on my mama, homie. You gon' see some blowback on my wife and my sister. And you know that aunties, nieces, cousins think I wasn't. I don't hold back. I won't let it go. Rest in peace to Betty Jo. Betty women make the world go round. I'm here to let you know. Throw so your hands up. Everybody stand up. For the women in your life, you better man up. Better man up, look out for the vultures. Get the disrespect of women at our culture. You better man up, look out for the vultures. Get the disrespect of women at our culture. Revolutionary women stand up. If you get down for the cause, throw your hands up. If you get down for the cause, i I'm to man up. Cause there is a war on women, a war on women. Revolutionary women stand up. If you get down for the cause, throw your hands up. If you get down for the Cause I'm the man up. Cause there is a war on women, a war on women. Revolutionary men, where have you been? Woman is your next of kin, she is your friend. How come you don't have her back until the end? you would rather wage war on women you would rather wage war on her voice but brother if it's her body it's her choice brother if it's her body it's her decision because she living her life with her vision when it come to her body she know best that's why she got a right to choose and no less she working every day do the same job less pay baby daddy got her pregnant he left the next day he left the next day and he never looked back he used to dream too but the brother took that but she stayed strong she made it through the drama I fight the war on women because that was my mom revolutionary women stand up if you get down for the cause throw your hands up if you get down for the cause I'm the man up because there is a war on women a war on women revolutionary women stand up if you get down for the cause throw your hands up if you get down for the cause I'm the man up cause there is a war on Women,
3: a war on women. You're listening to Southern Progressive Revival.
10: One of the issues I don't think we hear enough about, and really can't hear enough about is preparing our students and our people, particularly those who have lost jobs, for the jobs of the future. We need to make sure that our education systems are in place.
3: Southern Progressive Revival. At Indie Media Weekly Radio.
2: All right, everybody, welcome back to the final segment of Southern Progressive Revival for this Sunday, January the tenth, two thousand and sixteen. I would like to thank you, Missoula, Montana; Nashville, Tennessee; and Lake of the Ozarks area, Missouri, and most of all, Mister Lee. Thank you once again for being on the program tonight.
13: Well, it's sure been fun, and I'm enjoying it uh, a great deal. I hope you'll have me you back again. Oh, and we I hope you guys will think about uh, coming on my show every Thursday at uh, noon Central Standard Time on blogtalkradio.com.
2: Well, oh, that, I want to. Yeah, absolutely. That would be an honor, and we would absolutely love to have you back, yeah. sir. So, yeah. I, I wanted to backtrack just a tiny bit because you mentioned something that has proved to been to be an issue for me over the course of my life. Um, that a lot of people I know from outside of the South don't really understand. Um, You were talking about when it comes to these areas in rural Texas and in the rural South as a whole, there are so many places where there is not access to public transportation. And for people that are poor, that cannot afford a car, it's incredibly difficult to do something as simple as go get groceries, much less register to vote and get your ID, when states like North Carolina and Alabama are requiring that you present your valid photo ID on the day of voting now. Um, So I wanted to get your perspective on whether you feel that the continued lack of public transportation in the South is a political strategy or not.
13: You know, that's a good question. i never considered that. I know that the the lack of public transportation is a a liability. Uh, Whether or not it was contrived uh, for exclusively that purpose, I don't know, but it's very likely that it could have been. That's a very intriguing question. Uh, Texas, of course, is an enormous state, and uh, uh, if you had to drive... uh, four or five hours to a uh, uh, a licensing place because not every county even has a DMV location where you can get a driver's license. And as you said, that's the most common form of identification accepted for voting, uh, which uh, uh, they also require in Texas as well. But whether or not it's uh, a concerted effort and to keep uh, voters down, it's certainly possible. Let's face it, that's the Republican strategy. As I pointed out before, they are outnumbered. Uh, there are more Democrats than Republicans. So the Republicans have to do something to combat that. So they come up with ways to limit the ability of Democrats to vote. And that, of course, is one way is by putting restrictions, the pretty ridiculous ones, on uh, uh, how to obtain the proper identification. And in the past, you've been able to, on the day of elections, to go in and register and vote. But no more. That's not allowed any further there in Texas. Yeah. But, it's... but to answer your question, I don't know. Yeah, certainly something worth to explore try to find out.
2: Absolutely. And it's something that I really didn't think about until you mentioned it. Um, And recently I made the move from North Carolina to Kentucky because I'm disabled. I'm currently in the process of applying for disability, which I'm sure you've heard is very difficult. Um, (laughs) But we came to Kentucky because this is one of only three southern states that accepted the Medicaid expansion. I was going bankrupt off of trying to keep up with my medical bills so we came here i'm finally on medicaid it's a wonderful thing but you know i i'm stuck in that same place where i i still need to have a car thankfully i was able to get a cheaper one because there's no public transportation so that was just you know something that i was thinking about um, but another question that I wanted to ask you, if you don't mind, since you have been in the southern progressive uh, industry a lot longer than I have been. Um, this is something I've been doing since, uh, oh gosh, I guess the beginning of the l- last fiscal quarter of last year. This is show number 18. Um, so as a fellow person that goes on the mic and talks about liberalism in the South. Do you, do you find that it's something that you enjoy? Is it ever frustrating for you?
13: Oh, I love talking about it. It's frustrating to encounter the situations that we encounter and have to talk about uh, on the show for instance because of the it seems to me vast ignorance involved and, and the reactions that, that uh, it manifests. Let's for instance, uh, I mentioned the guns for a story uh, topic that we deal with quite frequently on my show, and we're into a, we're almost uh, at our two-year anniversary. And uh, here's a story that we're considering. It's out of Raw Story, and it's from December 31st. The headline reads: "Las Vegas cop couple wakes up and accidentally." fires twenty seven rounds at the mother who lives with them. Oh my god. And no charges are going to be filed in this situation. And tell me, how do you accidentally shoot twenty seven times at someone?
7: Wow. <clears throat> I mean that sounds like um there was a case here in Missoula, uh, Marcus Karma. Um, I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. But he was a man that lived in a place here in Missoula called the South Hills, which is literally like right up a hill from where I live. And he had been robbed or whatever a couple of times. He then set a trap for um, somebody, and that somebody was a seventeen year old seventeen year old student of a foreign exchange student from Germany named Darren Deedy. Well, they claim it was um, that uh, Marcus Karma got up. And heard somebody out in his garage taking his stuff. Well, what the evidence shows is he went, um, because there he has a garage that was hooked onto his, um, to his house. And what the evidence shows is he went around the front, trapped the kid inside, and killed him in cold blood. And there's evidence of this because it shows in his house, where the room before um, his kid's room was full of shotgun buckshot. So it just seems like the more unstable, you know, are these kind of people that, you know, shoot first and ask questions later. Yeah,
13: there's no question about that. In fact, it's a... And police officers feel like they can pretty much do it with immunity because they pretty much have. Uh, there has been the rare instances where uh, charges have been filed. But the, the situations where they have obviously stepped over the line and there are no consequences for it fosters more of that type of activity because they feel like, look, if we can get, a, get away with it, well, so let's not, not worry about it there are no consequences for them, for the police officers especially that do that and you know the staggering thing is that in one month our police force in the United States kills more citizens than they have in Great Britain in 200 years wow wow in one month 200 years. Wow. So, the, you know, the, the, the gun thing is just totally out of control.
1: Yes, it is.
13: We need to have gun control. And, and we've touched on this a lot of times on our show. It's what, what's really even more surprising about this gun situation is the fact that in colonial times... They had much more severe gun regulations than we have now mm-hmm. you know the they son. had a lot of laws protecting the rights of people uh, that we don't have today in colonial times and and they they needed the guns to uh um uh, Feed their families, for one thing, as well as protect them. So the fact that they were cognizant of of, uh, the dangers of guns, even though they relied on them heavily, how did we get away from that? The only thing that I can figure that is an answer that drives me nuts is that the NRA has taught our Congress. And they own own them hook line and sinker.
1: Yep. Very much so. And the gun manufacturers. I oh, think yeah. they own the NRA. And just, you know, all the way down. But oh, wow. yeah, what do you think about that,
6: Joey? Huh, <laughs> man. Oh, uh, I just wanted to ask uh Jolie a question. Uh uh, you know, I noticed you said that you was from Texas, and you uh, you just moved to Wisconsin. Uh, what well, what made you move from Texas? You know, is is it like uh, the racism and too many guns? Because uh, I had a friend, I had it's white guy. He's I've been knowing him since we was kids, teenagers, over twenty years, and he came back the most racist person you ever seen in your life. Is something in the water down there, or what?
13: It's the culture, I, there's no question about it, that it's uh, it's terrible. And it's been that way for, for a long time, and again, I, I think uh, uh, the explanation, you were playing one of my uh, videos, I do a weekly uh, video, uh, and I paste it on Facebook, and on American News X, and Milwaukee County Democrats, and, and a lot of different organizations uh, uh, showed my videos. And, and um, there's just uh, so much racism. It's just unbelievable. We hadn't hadn't gotten past it, the, yeah. the Civil War, and and it's again that compulsion. I I don't know where it comes from to have someone beneath you. I I've never felt that. I don't feel the need. To have someone beneath me, I get too much pleasure out of the people that are with me than rather have someone beneath me. So I I don't understand the compulsion, but it's there. There's no question about it. The desire to be better than someone, it seems to be overwhelming in our society, and I don't know why. I wish we could get away from it and accept people as equals. And everyone could live together a whole lot better, but yeah. I, that's idealistic. I, I don't know how to achieve it. I just know it's a devoutly to be wished, to quote the bar, the bard. <laughs> yeah,
6: yeah, and you know, and on top of that, they got uh, this is is just a lot of a uh, uh, hate radio, right wing hate radio, and plus they got a major. The so-called news channel, you know, backing them and everything, you know, and we we in this battle, but we I refuse to lose. I refuse to lose against these people because these are a bunch of evil people.
13: They are, and and uh, don't you love how they uh, uh, present themselves as such good Christians? Yes. And that's uh, another thing that drives me absolutely uh, insane. And what we because call guys? good Christians are not racist. I'm sorry.
2: Yes. Yeah. Amen, brother.
6: And what we call them guys, hypocrites.
0: <laughs> I like
13: that. That's a good one.
1: Yes. <laughs> well,. <laughs> We discuss every every show we try to have uh, some type of religious stuff, you know, because we talk about different religions, because I'm also really concerned about the Muslim backlash. And it's just like everybody's being divided and eaten alive by this cancer that's spread out there through Murdoch and his little minions that have bought up all the newspapers and you know, it's just
13: well, you, you know these these good Christians that are representing us in Congress right now. Uh-huh. Uh, they and I'm talking, of course, about Republicans. Uh, it seems like, uh, and I don't I don't know why, but when we research political stories for our show, it's always the Republicans who are, are doing the bad things. But. Let me read another story from Addicting Info, and this is another one we're talking about doing for our show, but it's Family Values Republicans introduce a bill in our Congress, in our government. They introduce this bill that would make sex with lobbyists
1: a gift. Yeah, we didn't have time for that story tonight. So let's get on with that story from the state of Missouri. Can you believe
13: this crap? No, yeah, this not. is Missouri that's that's doing this. I live
1: here. Them sons of bitches.
13: Whoops. Is that, is that going to clean your soul? The, the by turning the, the illicit sex that you're having with the lobbyists to get your vote for some idiotic bill that's going to screw the people and make a handful of people rich, are, are we supposed to think that that's a gift And that's, thing, like,
1: non-taxable or something? I'm kidding. And another thing, we have had three of those right-wing hypocrites get kicked out because they caught caught in sex scandals in the last year or so, which I don't have a problem with them getting kicked out, but it was with interns. So they were supposed to come back with ethics reform. So are they telling us they couldn't figure out how to keep their damn dingies in their pants And in, instead of out of the interns? And if you're going to put that out there that you've lobbied us, that you've, messed with an intern, you better hope you're not married because that's going to have to be public, right?
13: Oh, you would think so, uh, but it seems to me that a whole lot of uh, lobbyist activities is uh, uh, absolutely uh, not part of the public record, (laughs) and that's the problem. There's too much money going under the table and, and not staying on top of the table and and let's face it, politicians have one goal in in, in mind in their whole existence, and that's get reelected, because they can't do squat unless they unless they've been reelected. So the uh, acquisition of funding for the reelection campaign is the number one task that they're involved with while they're representing us. And it's our uh, uh, representative of of our thoughts and feelings in in the government when, in in fact, it's their own individual purposes that they're totally concerned with. They can care less about us, they are totally concerned with what the people with money want. Because if we don't, if, if I don't have money, I'm not uh, a major contributor to them. So whatever my feelings are, I could, they don't care less about that. Uh, they, they give me platitudes and, and crap that, uh, makes me uh, sick to my stomach. Uh, but they don't do squat unless you're putting money on the table.
7: Is I mean, you know, to make kind of a comedic point, it's not only money that's going under the table. Ah
0: <laughs> <laughs> but, like Chris says under the covers. <laughs> and it says
1: at last, is legal. Uh, I mean it's
4: it's going under the covers.
1: <laughs> it's going under the covers. <laughs>
7: but you know, it's it's to me, it's kind of like, I mean, sure, a gift may be a gift, but, like, sex is a gift, it's, it sounds, I don't know what the word is to, it's, I mean, disgusting. I mean, shit, if sex was a gift, where was Santa Claus when I was a teenager? like exactly. Claus no kidding man,
6: no kidding at
0: all. <laughs> I was just so
1: incensed when I saw that. I could not believe that this was going on. And naturally it's Missouri, but <laughs> <laughs> And who's the gifter and who's the giftee? You know? Uh
7: uh-huh. huh. Obviously. Obviously, if it's the gifty or the gifter, we can call him titty Claus <laughs> uh, but, but all serious i i i think it's i think it's hilarious to see like you were saying it's these family values people that get all incensed over you know like gay marriage and everything when i mean on um the other Show I helped co host. Um, I brought up a pastor that you know would condemn the gays, but he had a gay hookup profile.
13: Well, you know, uh I've I've uh, was an actor for a lot of my life, and I've known a lot of gay people, and uh, every single one that I've ever known and, and met and talked with, and, and that's because they didn't choose to be gay. That's the way they were born, and yeah. so if if you're religious and someone is born a certain way. Don't you have to give God the credit for doing that and having a reason for doing that? I don't know what the reason might be exactly. You see it in nature, and it's usually a population control thing when it's, when it's uh, manifested in nature. But I don't know among us exactly why it happens, but it does. It's just a fact. It's, it's kind of like science. It's a fact, and there's not a whole lot you can do about a fact, except well, you know the major Republican stance is to, to disavow facts if they're not uh, exactly what you want them to be.
2: <laughs> yeah, I think most conservatives are fairly allergic to facts and science. But um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But uh, I wanted to to ask you one more thing, real quick, before we un- unfortunately have to end the show for the night. Um one of the things that I really hope to do when I started this program uh other than of course talking about liberal causes what we have done as liberals in the south to progress um you know to to look at our accomplishments to look at our failures to take lessons from that um is to sort of provide encouragement to southerners who a lot of the times uh even liberal southerners it doesn't matter who you are are labeled underneath the stereotype that we're all idiots, we're all hicks, uh, we are uneducated, we don't know what we're talking about, we're all backwoods. And while that exists with a very small number of individuals, it's not a true thing. It's a terrible, terrible stereotype. And I really feel that that's something that makes a lot of Democratic voters in the South apathetic.
13: You may may very well be right. I I don't know, but, you know, of course, the Southern voters, that's what they're used to. So you would think that it would not be such a thing with them. I've noticed uh, 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 when I moved north, and this is not the first time I've lived north. uh, it, 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 It was several times in the past I have. And the first time I went uh, up north to live, uh, I, it was immediately assumed uh, due to my accent that I must be married to my cousin, and they were all curious about that.
2: <laughs>
13: wow. <laughs> you know, so there, there's, a, there's a, a lot of Northern prejudice against Southern people as well, and, and vice versa. Mm-hmm. And, and I, I think, I don't know, does it still go back to the Civil War? probably. I don't know when we're ever going to get past that. I wished it would just roll under the carpet and be lost forever. Uh, More United States citizens were killed in the Civil War than in all the other wars together that we have fought. True,
1: very true. Snork said his mother's from Missouri, and his father told someone he bought her her first pair of shoes jokingly, and then he's got, he almost died. <laughs> I imagine his mama wasn't too happy with him.
2: <laughs> oh gosh. Well, Mr. Lee, I have to tell you, I wish that we had another hour to speak, but unfortunately, schedules are as they are but um i want to once again thank you so much for coming on tonight it has been a true delight and i hope that you'll come back and talk to us again in the future
13: i'll be glad to and the same to you guys we'd love to have you come on the liberal Red night. um we talk about a lot of things like this too and i think you guys would be a valuable uh, asset maybe we could scratch each other's back that way that would be great
1: that would be awesome that That's, would be awesome. And thank you for well, thank you so much friend. for having me and, and keep up
13: the good work guys. Uh, you're going to, you're going to change some people's mind and it's going to be worth it. Oh, I hope, I hope you're right.
1: We're um, going to keep working at it
6: though. We thank you are. for accepting yeah. my friend. Yeah, we all in this, we all are uh, fighting this battle and we all in the trenches and you know, we're going to fight. We're going to keep fighting. I know I am. Amen. <laughs> <laughs> well, I know my two, I know, I know, I know Jonathan and, and you know, Jonathan and John and, 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 and Janet, you know, we all we all hitting this together. We all gonna fight. We gonna we gonna we gonna change some things, man. Here in the south, we gonna
0: Absolutely.
6: try. That's good because it needs
13: to be done.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. yes, yeah, yes, very definitely. And it was a
6: pleasure talking to you, Jolie. You know, I'm gonna check your sure show. Same here, get.
13: guys. I look forward to doing it again. And you too. All
1: right, all right. All right. Well, all
2: you right. have a good night, sir. Bye bye. Thanks. Bye bye. All right, everybody, that was, of course, Mr. Joe Lee, the liberal redneck. We will be putting up links to uh, his various uh, websites and social media entities on our Facebook page once the show is over. Uh, But we are going to go ahead and start wrapping up things here for the night on Southern Progressive Revival. So I will start things off with our uh, very brand new co-host, Mr. John Kendall from Missoula, Montana.
6: Waka, waka. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
7: Um, it was a great show tonight um you can catch me saturdays seven to ten central time um yeah have a great week and i'll see you on saturday
2: Excellent. And, uh, of course, we move on next to the super cool man from Nashville, Tennessee, Mr. Joey Word.
6: Yeah, I'd like to thank uh, Joey for being on the show tonight. And I'd like to thank you, John, Jonathan and Janet and everyone in the chat room, everyone listening. And hello. Uh, hello again, Michelle. You know, I'm thinking about you, honey. <laughs> just, hit, just text me later. <laughs> so, you know, y'all,
2: everybody, everyone have a good night. Yes, indeed, and last but not least, Ms. Janet Lee.
1: I am just so thrilled that I uh, ran across Joe Lee and that him and I became friends, and we were able to get him on. He's a fantastic guest, and I love his way of thinking. I just, I just think it's great, and I can't wait to listen to their broadcast radio. And mm-hmm. hopefully, we can kind of join forces a little bit. Absolutely,
2: anything to further That's the cause. Awesome. Yep. Yep. all right well from me your host i would like to thank all of you for tuning in for this uh 18th episode of southern progressive revival it was a pleasure as always whether you're listening live or via our podcast thank you so much i would also like to send a very special thank you to mr Jolie for joining us it was a pleasure and i look forward to having him back in the future, and uh, I'm sure that all of us look forward to being on his show as well. Uh, So, everybody, make sure to stay tuned to Southern Progressive Revival next week. Uh, This coming Sunday, on the 17th, we are going to have our very big combined Martin Luther King Day, Black History Month, Joey special, so you do not want to miss that. And our special guest for that show will be Sister Joe, everybody's uh, favorite Sister of a co-host, since I don't think anybody else's <laughs> sister attends the chat. <laughs>
1: but <laughs> she's Here's a phenomenal. She's with the migraine tonight,
2: yeah. So we we send her our best, but we look forward to talking to her next week. So uh, definitely. Come back and listen to that. Uh, Also tonight after the show, starting at 1030 Eastern, the sci-fi double feature, there will be two episodes of Mysterious Traveler, which include New Year's Nightmare and Death Comes to Adolf Hitler. And I have to say that second one sounds pretty good to me. All right. So all of y'all have a wonderful (laughs) week ahead. Uh, We love you. And we will see you next Sunday here on Southern Progressive Revival. Good night, y'all.
11: Got
2: to let you go. Thank you so much. I okay, appreciate
7: it. That's mm-hmm. wonderful yeah, to see
11: you. Yeah, well, yes, yeah. uh-huh, right.
7: Great. Yeah. <laughs> right. You come back and see me, you hear? Good night, Mama. Good night, Ben. Good night, everyone. Good night, Mama. Good night, Daddy.
11: Good night, children. Good night, Daddy. Good night, Elizabeth.
7: Good night, John Boy. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob. Good night, Jim Bob.
0: Waka, waka.